The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me News Nudes Neat on Twitter, and you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects that you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. We still can confirm he's not a cat. So just don't, just we're going, we're going, we don't have to say any more about that after this week. It has been confirmed. <laughs> we are good. One agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Where you from? Brooklyn going out to all. And that's the thing you don't get when you're not from Brooklyn. Just <laughs> s- scores and scores of musical ditties that that rep your uh, rep your place, <laughs> and I hate it. But uh, it's fun for me to to kind of like pass my mouse over them. Like, which one do I do this week? Which one right. haven't I done for a while? Just like, hmm, hmm. Like, too bad you don't have like a random button for that section. Yes, that would be nice. Yeah. It's like I don't know. I don't know what I feel like. Bloop, bloop. but yes we are here with another comic book chronicles and you can find the comic book chronicles on the coast of the podcast network that's cspn.us do it today you can also find uh this program on your podcast perusal place of choice whether it be google play apple itunes aka apple Podcasts, spotify or the coast of the podcast network's soundcloud page make sure to click like and subscribe and while you're at it, hey, if you want to see us uh, recording live, go to either youtube.com slash theclicknation, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, or twitch.tv slash comicbookchronicles, all one word, on Thursday nights when we record at 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern. And click like, yeah, click like and subscribe, leave us the great reviews. Indeed. Yeah, well, well, I don't think they have reviews on Twitch or, or YouTube, but yeah, do that. Well, yes, they do on YouTube, So, because I know they're starting to do some weird stuff. Anyway, um, and appreciate for folks that actually have been uh, following the the Twitch, because, you know, like I said, we're trying to get to 50, uh, so we can kind of upload some stuff for folks. Um, you know, some special ideas we got in their pocket from, from way back when. But um, and even one that I totally forgot to put together. Jeez. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Tonight, though, uh, we are going to do what we normally do and get us some comic books, folks. And we are going to start off with Black Widow number five. 
Yes, the creative team on this. It, the book is written by Kelly Thompson. The art is by Elena Casagrande and Rafael De La Torre. Uh, the colors are by Jordi Belair. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, believe it or not, folks, this is a potential click of the week for me. I believe this is a really powerful and well-done issue. And I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic when I say that. It's it's very well crafted and carries an emotional punch no, because not, not everything yeah. is as we thought we saw it in the last issue, in the previous issue. Mm-hmm. It's not everything is what it seemed to be for better and for worse when it comes to how it will affect the future of uh, one Natasha or Natalia Alianova uh, Romanov, a black widow. That's why I said you just gonna spite up the whole government, huh? All right, bet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's. I, I I would go so far as to say that I think we have both been enjoying this book the pretty much the whole time. I feel like it's right. It like definitely, that. yeah. What I would say is it definitely drew me in. I was a little cautious coming in because I wasn't sure about it. It's obviously was initially time to come out uh, when the movie was supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the delays being delays, obviously COVID-19 related. But uh, that being said, I don't believe... Actually, you know what? I think I did pull the first issue. Mm-hmm. And I think my hesitation came around issue two and three. But I definitely uh, fell into line and really appreciated this book from that point on and i'm glad that we're getting more going forward yeah indeed indeed yeah because at the end of this book without you know spoiling too much of the insides of it we are definitely uh as we've been talking earlier the um the limited series uh headdress that we thought was the case had been lifted as agent 70 said before the show uh, you know so we were still under the, but we were still kind of under the impression that it was still a limited series, but we didn't really because sometimes they do that the books like yeah it might be a limited series or it might be a limited series when they decide to cancel the book or right. it might have started out a limited series and they make it an ongoing which looks like that might be the case here or it's a limited series that you know they they might actually give it another arc but still plan on canceling it for some other reason. You know. Right, only giving it a short extension just to make it, you know, just to allow the creative team a little bit more time to finish telling, you know, a single or at least maybe a, a broader story. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I would, uh, I wanted to mention a few things, and you know, there's a reason why I, 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 I described it as broadly and as generally as I did because there is a twist that involves last issue and this issue, and I do not want to spoil it. But I can tell you that uh, Black Widow and her um, compatriots and colleagues and sometimes uh, enemies uh, come together and strike back at the group that had uh, put Natasha into this uh, alternate reality situation, as it were. And there's one particular... Uh, I don't want to say exchange. There's one particular piece of dialogue where it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Taskmaster last week uh, in Taskmaster number was it four? I believe so. Right when he when when um, when uh, when when the Taskmaster uh, in last 
week's issue of Taskmaster is basically uh, peeing in his pants when the Black Widow uh, uh, confronts him as he's um, fighting the White Fox. And in this issue, there is a little bit of dialogue from someone uh, who I'm not all that familiar with, but it's um, the Weeping Lion, I think he is. Oh, yeah. So Weeping Lion, at least the last time I saw him, I'm not sure how new or old doing that, what comes from, or last last time I saw him, because, yeah, they referenced what, what happened to him from this the last miniseries before, or was it two miniseries? Might have been two miniseries before this particular one from right. Black Widow, where she went up against them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's between Weeping Lion, I guess the Weeping Lion's on the radio, uh, he's got Overwatch, and he's trying to uh, get a, 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 a handle on the situation with the heroes. Um, and he's looking through a sniper scope, uh, trying to get a, a handle on where everyone is. And the Viper is asking him, who's missing? And he says, Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And the Viper says, we're all going <laughs> to die. <laughs> yeah, she was She was straight up sure. I, I, I legit laughed at that, that uh, when she said that. <laughs> Now it doesn't play it doesn't actually play out the way we think it will with that particular little piece of uh dialogue between the those two characters but I laughed when I read that too. I was like, "Oh, we're all going to die. The Winter Soldier is not accounted for." Yeah, she, she was like, ah, "Okay, I am shook." <laughs> it's like we're just screwed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but so that and that was kind of just one of the little things that kind of made this this um, the, this issue in particular just great. But also, like uh, Agent Seventy said, the emotional resonance that kind of happens uh, after that. I actually would not. Mind, I was thinking to myself when I was uh, reading this that I would not mind having a book with these four, like as a team, just going around like doing 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 well, not times doing the dirty work. You know, of, of the Marvel U or whatever the case may be, or maybe not even dirty work, but you know, just, just well, they're them, de- yeah, oh, it's okay. Finish up. Yeah. No, I was just them, you know, just them doing 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 their thing. What I was going to say is that they they are they seem to definitely be uh, the primary supporting cast that would that that will probably rotate in and out of this book mm-hmm. moving forward, and I think that's a that's a good role for them. <clears throat> because any sort of organized team will run afoul of, um, you know, there is such a thing, obviously, as Secret Avengers. We haven't seen that particular iteration of the Avengers in a while. But that seems like, um, you know, right up uh, this particular group's alley. Right. True. True, true, true. Yeah, well, I guess... I was going to say not, well, see, sometimes, um, no pun intended, Hawkeye's kind of hit or miss. Oh, no. <laughs> depending oh, on, no. Depending on how they, um, <laughs> d- depending on how he's uh, written, you know, because sometimes we're like, yeah, we don't kill, or sometimes, we, you know, we'll shoot an eye out, or sometimes, you know, he's probably still on that, you know, do we do not kill, but there's been a couple times where he actually recently killed, so. <laughs> right. Right. Because... The character has gone through a lot in terms of influence from the movies, mm-hmm. so you know it's it, it's uh, it, it's definitely proven to be uh, a line that Hawkeye has 
has crossed more rarely than we than 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 maybe even the in the past. You know, when he was running around in purple, you know, in a purple uh, mask and tights. So, yeah, it's slightly annoying at that, too, because I was like, all right, get, get just stay in one place. Like, are you going to be the schlub or are you going, you know, the schlub that don't want to kill? Or are you just going to be like a mix of old brash Clint, which I think they've gone well away from um, right. of his youth. So which I sadly kind of miss. <laughs> old because I mean, young brash uh clint was was just a terror and always fucking shit up but then again you know you you could say he does that unintentionally uh now so right he's a little bit more bumbling now which is kind of unfortunate yeah and that's kind of what i because hawkeye is actually one of my favorite characters um he's from always been uh yeah i was about to say he's always been a great source of comic relief and, and and dramatic tension you know obviously there you know we we came of age when he was gunning to gain more respect for himself and looking to lead and thus became the chair of hey let's go rangers mm. um became the chair of the west coast avengers mm. so um you know uh, seeing the character you know mature in front of our eyes to that point and then once uh you know once the wackos uh you know went away the character's kind of gone into i don't want to say it's uh, uh um and, and gone down a meandering route because he has had some uh character development but you know maybe to an extent for the negative so yeah and i guess the plus or minus from that comes from um um Fractions run, you know, because that's where right. a, a lot of that got cemented. Right, 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 right. But nevertheless, this is this is actually not about uh, Hawkeye. This is more about uh, Black Widow. But just so happens to be that, that you know he's he's in this book and probably will, as Eight uh, to said, you know, will be coming back through here, which I also kind of funny. So I will say uh, because of a a moment that um, we find near the end of the book with her and the winter soldier, which no surprise they have, you know, everyone who's been in this book has had a history with her, including one red guardian, which, you know, <laughs> got a reprieve, um, right. In this issue. Uh, but, um, like, you know, everyone that that's been pretty much for, for better or worse, for everybody that is, uh, that's was with her, you know, rolling with her in this issue, you know, has had some, well, most of them had intimate connections. We can't say, you know, say whatever it is about Yelena, but, you know, still, yeah, they're kind of, regardless of their past and what they still sometimes get into, they, they still almost like sisters. So they're still kind of, in that respect, kind of close. But right. you pretty much get to see, like, who's, or at least you can kind of take away from who definitely Kelly Thompson and crew, uh, if even if it's not the case, who she is probably the closest to out of this group by what happens near the end of it. Right. Um, and actually, which brings to something else. I'm slightly kind of surprised, but not surprised because he wouldn't be anywhere in the, in the area. I'm surprised Daredevil didn't show up some kind of way. <laughs> yeah. He's sort of the, uh, he's sort of the one that's gotten left behind. Mm hmm. Cause they are, they're in the whole, they're basically on the other side of the, the country. So, and I mean, granted, that's not saying that she, they, couldn't have ginned up a way for him to be there, but you know, right, right. But that's part of her relationship history that has been, as I said, really left behind. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
they've really sought to develop, you know, one retconned relationship, you know, with the, you know, with the Winter Soldier, you know, like once he, once he uh, resurfaced uh, in the Brubaker cap run, they kind of uh, uh, retconned that particular relationship into, uh, into existence. So, mm-hmm. which weirdly made me rethink about the fact that, boy, I kind of wish they had um, did the leg work in the MCU to put that in there as opposed to the whole banner widow thing. Yeah. I I thought there was a hint of it, but then they went in a totally different direction. Right. But yeah, but if they had, it'd been like, I know I would have been like, where the hell does this come from? There is nothing that would have suggested that any of that would have been the case. There was a few, there there, there was a few hints. I thought Mm. I'll give you one example before we move on. Um, Civil war. When Bucky is put under uh, the hypnosis, put you know, given the hypnotic suggestion by uh, Zemo, and he breaks out of the containment, and uh, uh, Winter Soldier takes out uh, Sharon Carter, Agent Thirteen, and then the Widow puts him into um, you know, like the head scissors, and she just before she starts to get uh, beat up a little bit, she says something along the lines of, you could act like you know me or something like that, or that you've met me before. Hmm. Okay. Or something. I something remember that part. Those lines. Right, I remember that part, but I don't remember that line. And I, so. thought, that, I thought that was a hint towards um, their, uh, their shared uh, possible history because they don't really interact too much exactly during uh, during uh, Winter Soldier the movie other than him pursuing her right they only fight each other once so while she might be referring to that that's not how I read it but maybe it's because I wanted to see the comic book relationship be uh, portrayed more or at least hinted at more in the comic book in the movie that is so right yeah, like yeah, exactly. Around us, I would have, I would have loved to have seen it. You know, it was like, all right, we know this is a thing, so, you know, they didn't really do any legwork to do that, so we would probably never get it. But they, they gave us what they gave us, for whatever right. reason. But regardless, this, you know, we still got the comics, and and we still, you know, they, the the moment they have in this book just kind of cements for like, yeah, this is, you know, just despite sure. how bittersweet it is, uh, it's you, you still see there's something still there. Right. So this is definitely I would recommend folks pick up these issues. We are five issues in. This is more likely than not the last issue that would be included in a five issue trade paperback Yeah. for the first arc of this book. So because they are going into a different direction. So I don't think they would make this a six issue arc. Uh, a six-issue uh, um, uh, trade paperback. I think this would be one of the five-issue trade paperbacks. So uh, for anyone who's looking to read this, uh, obviously Marvel Unlimited will catch up sooner rather than later. Yep. But at the same time, you can pick this up in trade paperback because I highly recommend this particular story arc. It's really entertaining. And, it's, and as I said, this issue was really well done. There are some powerful uh, moments in this that are... A very well done. So, mm-hmm. and I want to say because I remember last week we were talking about where the hell was this book, um, and it just so happened to come out, you know, this week. And I want to say I, it might have taken a month off, 
I was about to say it definitely took a month or two off. I would add that I think when you asked, you know, where a couple of books were, we, we started looking, you know, forward into the books that were coming out. And then we started to see things like this week was Black Widow. Next right. week is Black Panther. Right. So we started to see them pop up, you know, as we start to ask, like we haven't seen, you know, X and Y books. So. Right. And we know. We know in certain cases that you know there's been some books that skip, and in fact, we in the news we have a, we, we there's news about some other books that's going to skip a month. So, but that right. being the case, we can move on to um, what's next. Hmm. Hmm. Uh. What talk about. Guardians? Sure. Guardians of the sure. Galaxy, number 11. All right. Um, I will give the creative team. This book is written by Al Ewing. The art is by Juan Cabal. Colors by Federico Blee. And letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Take it away. So, at after the events of last issue, we've, you know, Peter Quill is back. Spoiler alert. Peter Quill is back amongst the quote unquote living, even though he wasn't dead in the first place. He was just misplaced. Um, for lack of a better word. Uh, right. He's back with Nova and the rest of the garden sands, uh, Gamora and, and, and folks who show up in this issue. But <clears throat> Pete has uh, brought some, brought some um, antagonists with him in the form of the Olympian gods who we, you know, who we thought dead, but ended up also coming back alive uh, and newly powered or newly and differently powered, but they're also on a rampage. Uh, and they had apparently share a link with uh, one Peter Quill, but this particular issue, the most of the, the crux of this issue is pretty much, um, them meeting, well, the, them being the guardians still on this, uh, dead planet that has some significance to at the very least Quill and Nova and uh, Gamora because of annihilation, because this was the planet where they had, they pretty much took their first big L. Right. Or, yeah. I guess you could safe to say that. Cause you know, they were kind of on the ropes and, uh, but they had a plan, and the plan didn't necessarily go through. And you know, the the, the enemies brought out a big gun, so they had to kind of leave out. So they took some licks, but they got they got up out of there. So Nova's like, "Well, we go back to this, and here's where we left our st- we make our stand with the Olympic guys because there's no one here." So right. the crux of the book is pretty much uh, Quill and Nova kind of hashing out, you know things between themselves, I guess, for, you know, the, not necessarily hashing out. Cause you know, it was more like, right. Hey, what, what I would, I would add though, yeah. and hold that thought, mm-hmm. hold that thought where you were. I would add that there's more than just the two of them hashing out their feelings and, you know, kind of catching up on, you know, obviously there's still a lot to catch up on between the two of them right. uh, because they've each literally come back from the dead in the relative, you know, recently uh, in, in the relatively recent past that is. Well, right. Um, I would say that you talking about what's that yeah, exactly exactly and Gamora yeah. as well yeah you know Gamora jumps in as well and um you know there are uh two groups of guardians essentially um and what there's another group that's incoming but they they kind of get intercepted um but I'm pretty sure they're going to come back in the next issue yeah um 
uh, I my only notes on this is that this issue is um, the the issue in which the guardians um, assemble <laughs> on Basically. on this dead planet. Uh, from the Annihilation War, you know, that's kind of what they're doing. They're they're literally massing their forces as the Olympian gods are coming through. And, um, you know, they're trying to get their respective acts together before before they arrive. And so we are uh, one issue away from the end of this liftoff arc, I guess. Yeah. Um, whatever this arc is actually called. Um, that sounds right. Liftoff, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the notes on the cover. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it says lift off in three, two, four, three, two, and the next issue is one. So, and we know that from solicitations that Guardians is going to reform in a different direction with the new artist, but same writer. Right. Uh, so you know, the, so this will be leading into that. So it's um, it should you know, it'll prove to be interesting. And uh, um, you know what, Roddy Cat. Um, is happy to to notice that he's very happy that uh, he read Annihilation, and um, you know it, it's it, it's it's pretty much because it, uh, one because of uh, of COVID we had that opportunity to do the Evergreen episodes, mm-hmm. so we were covering events and storylines uh, of um, of years past, but um, you know Annihilation has proved to be you know. Uh, one of the, the the foundations of the current Marvel Space books. Anything that comes out Marvel Space has some sort of tie to the Annihilation event. So I thought it was pretty important for him to to read, and I'm glad that we had a chance to go over and talk about it. Indeed, yeah, because yeah, like we were talking before the show, that they they were when we were picking ourselves. And by the way, you can go back into the archives, which is only like almost a year. Um, Almost a year, actually, um, since we did that. Because I can't remember when we actually did that. So it might have been like what March or April, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But uh, you can definitely go check out that episode in in the archives on um, you know on, on your places of choice. You know the, the video's still out there and all that kind. Of, well, yeah, that was not the one that got messed up. But regardless, it's out there. Um, so yeah, it definitely ended up being a big uh, touch touchstone for the the uh, marvel space stuff and uh, the guardians are basically and i believe this has actually been said that the guardians are on their way to becoming the basically the avengers of space right uh and that's where we're leading to with this uh with this arc right at this moment um so I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. Like we, we're we're fans of Al Ewing one two uh, two. I've always been a fan of the Guardians, but the OD Guardians. I, I I do love this this whatever current iteration this has been, you know. And as far as annihilation in itself was concerned, like yeah, I definitely, you know, this is this is the group that pretty much most people in the MCU that watch the MCU knows because after that is the group that came out of uh of annihilation, and I'm you know, versed in it, just, you know, I still miss the OG Guardians, but, um, <laughs> they're called Ravagers in the MCU, right? Yeah. I hated that part actually, but I'm glad, but some that's of the people, tough. yeah, but some of the people that, that were represented in that was like, all right, cool. They still didn't do Nikki. I don't think, but the, Nikki gets short. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think, but, uh, but regardless, it was like, really, you're going to do that to them. Um, 
But nevertheless, like so the, uh, the in the comic books, uh, in the books now, you know, being that the Guardians are becoming like the Avengers of Space, and they're still pretty much like okay, they're pretty much getting back to what I or let's kind of soon to say, but um, they're pretty much getting back to hey, space is big, you know, we need heroes, and we've talked about this in, in the past couple of episodes, and that pretty much kind of sort of getting back to what Annihilation was putting out there, had put out there where, you know, hey, look, space has got things out there that need to be dealt with. Right. Despite the fact that, you know, we've seen a lot of stuff from space coming from, um, <laughs> coming, coming to Earth in the last few years also. So, right, which kind of touches on a little bit of our pre-show uh, chit-chat mm-hmm. about, uh, about how, about relationships that have come and gone have become frayed and 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 disintegrated <laughs> since <laughs> since since annihilation and events thereafter mm-hmm. so, so yeah that's that whole right. thing was kind of funny but yeah regardless though um guardians of the galaxy level was, was actually pretty good and uh like i said we're going to get into what seemed like it's going to be a big battle next issue and we'll see what happens to the whatever happens to those other the, the other part of the group uh, and that I don't know. You saw that last image page, the pa- last page um, preview of the next uh, of the next episode, uh, next issue, right? Hold on, I'll pull it up. Give me one second. Because I, I was wondering if you had any thoughts about what that was suggesting. Guardians, scrolling, 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 scrolling. All right, uh, preview. Oh, um. That's a good question. I am not sure what any of that means. Yeah. Like, part of it is like, okay, yeah, we see their, well, not to give away the image, but we basically see something on the ground that would suggest something, but also them kind of walking away into the sunset kind of deal. But you get a sense of who some of them might be, but not all of them. Right. So, I'm sitting here. But but the thing that I was kind of talking about in this case was the thing that's on the ground that I know you would probably be Oh right, yeah. But we also unfortunately know what's in solicitations, yeah. so that's that's why I'm not necessarily concerned about that. Yeah, yeah. But kind still, of like I said, but it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it still is like okay, what was was you know what is even despite knowing uh, solicitations, like okay, what are they? How are they going to get from here to there? Type of situation kind of comes right. up. Nevertheless, we can go on to another book. Uh, you got one? What's next? Let's see. Uh, let's see what you read. Um, let's see if you've read anything else in common. Um, okay, how about... Oh, yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. How about... Um, something I had a little bit of trouble with. Uh, Wait, let me Champions. Guess. Oh, never mind. Okay, Did I? never mind. I was gonna try to guess it. Never mind. No, I was gonna say Champions number four. Mm-hmm. I also had trouble with Iron Man number six. Also, that was what I thought you were gonna go to. I was gonna say if you want to talk about Iron Man number six, we can do that too. No, nah, we'll go to Champions. Oh, Champions number four. Uh, I thought that we can cover both of them because mm-hmm. everything else, I don't, I don't think we have too much left in common after that. So, right. all right. So Champions, uh, it's written, Champions number four is written by E. Viewing, art by Bob Quinn, 
uh, colors by Federico Blee and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So in this issue, the champions escape cradle uh, capture, uh, you know, with the help of a former champion, one Scott Summers, now um, all grown up again, mm-hmm. or at least um, uh, not time displaced. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and uh, and they end up recuperating from being on the run uh, while being under the, the protection of... Uh, not necessarily Krakoa, but at least of the uh, the X folks, because they find themselves on the Marauder mm-hmm. with the Marauders and Captain Kate, and uh, you know they go on a little mini adventure, but they end up figuring out that they are done trying to run from the situation that has uh, come up as a result of Kamala's law. So they make a, that decision that turns their direction around literally while Viv continues to work through her issues with some outside help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually, and there, there was parts of this issue. I kind of enjoyed, you know, the, the fact that, well, one, they were all pissed. I was like, well, yeah, we thought we were going to be in, uh, you know, we thought we were going to go to Krakow and Scott's like, no, <laughs> you can't do that. So, but right. the fact that, so when they got to that point, I was like, well, wait, so then what I totally didn't even think about, um, marauders at that point, which tends to be a place where some, stuff like that would happen. You know, it's like the, those, the folks that can't get to uh, Krakoa that they need to shuttle off, or you know, or, or, or other things that they need. They're basically the the, the pirates of the um, <laughs> of the Krakoa of the of the X Men, I guess, in a way. Uh, right. So it was kind of fun to see that interaction between them. It was also fun to see, and I didn't even notice this. I didn't even pick this up at the time, but um, uh, Iceman had asked um, Scott, like, hey, what's with that get up? And it had me thinking, I was like, wait, does Iceman, is this time displaced Iceman? Because I think everybody had gone back. I can't see. That's another. Thing. I can't even remember what the hell happened with that whole time display stuff. So it was right, like, wait. right, right. And I, I know Scott. Just, rem- just blame, just blame the beast and be done with it. You know, yeah. like, and Bendis. Right. Like, ugh. like we know, we know Scott kept his memories, but did everybody else did and something like that? So, but but Scott's like, yo, yeah, this is my old, um, my old champions gear. You know, when I was with them, which is still kind of weird. Like, yeah, you know, but I, I enjoy seeing it. It's still kind of pretty cool, though. Because obviously, you know, when he was with them, he was uh, definitely a, a different age. And, you know, now that he's aged back up, like, he still feels himself part of the group, which he apparently is. But still, you know. So that part I, I loved about it. You know, he's still looking out for his old teammates. Sure. Um, but, again, like, it's, it's that whole thing with that is still kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, just the you know, I mean, just kind of like the way this this issue. I mean, obviously, this is one of those. It's very similar to Guardians Eleven, mm-hmm. uh, in that this is the precursor to a big change in direction for the book. And hopefully, uh, even and, outlawed. Outlawed. I'm sorry. Right. Well, I think outlawed is still going to be going on for the foreseeable future. We're still having. We're still dealing with Kamala's law, at least into the May solicitations, which I was reading today. Right. You know, there's a solicitations and, and obviously this will come up uh, when we talk about clickbait and talk about what's in the news. But mm-hmm. uh, the May solicitations uh, for Marvel were released earlier today and I had a chance to skim through them. And I noticed that the, the champions solicitation mentioned something about Kamala's law still being in effect. So, mm, gotcha. 
while outlawed itself may not be may not be going on all the way till then, I suspect it is. Yeah, and to be, I, I guess to be fair, like I don't know. So it's all weird because we know we're in the midst of two event. Well, I guess two, one wildland event definitely, but right. um, the there's a few black, different right. right. But there's a few different things going on in, in different corners, um, and outlawed who kind of got messed over because of COVID. You know, had to re re uh, re uh, redo its scheduling of the books. So we're getting books that should have been out by now. And some stuff is still kind of, I guess it's still kind of out of place in, in the ordering that's coming in. Cause I'm not even sure what the ordering of, of, uh, outlawed even was at this point. Right. And at the same time, we all, we're also, I believe experiencing some editorial changes. Yes. In the books, just to make sure that things are not as disjointed as they could be. Yes. So we are getting a little bit of that. And so some books are being delayed as a result. Mm-hmm. So it, so while that is all still the case, it's still kind of weird to see like this still going on when, you know, like, yeah, we know what's going on behind the scenes with that, but it's still kind of weird to, to, to see these books kind of just plopping out every now and then like that. Right. All right. Uh, do you have anything else on this or before we move on to Iron Man number six? I think that was pretty much it. Um, oh, I did notice that they, 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 um, Doom scrolling has made itself. I don't know if that's uh, if that is something that has shown up in comics of recently, but this is the first time I think I've seen it. Okay, so I was like, okay, well, which sure, this would be a book that they would do something like that in. <laughs> oh, absolutely, uh, it's the right demographic. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, so while I held back and kind of audible groan about that, I was like, you know what? No, it makes it totally makes sense in in, in this. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And you already said that, you know, Viv pretty much kind of gets a lesson. I, I say it was a civil rights lesson, but, you know, it's, it's something that's analogous to, to what she's going through or what she's kind of made happen with the other group. Right. right. I wasn't so keen on the snitching part, but I understood. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's not really snitching, but okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, but, it it, it, it kind of was, but she her intentions were not necessarily for the reasons that snitching would be the case for. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I that's how I interpret it. Like, right. not really, but I understand. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought about that too. It was like, eh, okay, yeah, that's a slight stretch, but I sure we get it. Um, right. But yeah, from that though, uh, we can go on to I guess Iron Man number six, which we brought it up. Sure. So uh, Iron Man number six is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Cafu, colors by Frank Darmada and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Believe it or not, the gargoyle proves to be supremely useful at the beginning of this issue. Uh, Iron Man needs a mechanic to adjust his armor to keep his body alive, which is another kind of retro touch to this run so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Korvac is making his move against Galactus's world ship. So it's the part about the, the armor keeping him alive where I do get. And uh, as you say, classically, that is a thing that has been a, a thing. So bravo to that. It's what? Because so he suffered a pretty, one would say, major injury. 
right. um, at, at the end of last issue. And yes, he was armored up when it happened, so that was like doubly major. I, so I'm just going to skip ahead and say that no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I was about to bring up the fact that Rhodey died for less, but at the same time, he was going up against Thanos, so that's kind of not fair to... Yeah, to I was about to say, that's a tough comparison. I know. Like, like the, I thought about it even when I was saying, I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't even justify that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he literally got his black back blown out, so... Um, you know, I'm like, no. Nah. Thanos. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so, but nevertheless, it was like, wait. So, and it was also, it was also kind of funny that, um, within two issues, like something happened, Corvac related, and one Tony had to help Hellcat out, and now the reverse had to happen where Hellcat had to help him out, and not necessarily the same way, but kind of in a similar manner because you know it was like, well, they're near death or dying or whatever case may be. I was like armored up Tony was in a little bit better shape than what happened to to um to Patsy but it, it still ends up turning back around uh in a in a way so but yeah that being said though um I don't know the 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 part that kind of well the couple of parts that kind of got me like at one I'm glad so we ha- we got a change in Rody cuz Rody was uh Rody was being held which um I get you have to wait for the right time for them. Like, wait, if you could have done that already, why couldn't you have done that before now? But I, but I get it. Um, but at the same time, Tony's increasingly asshole um, demeanor, you know, even with the help, even with uh, people that are helping him out, it was getting a little on my nerves on, in this uh, issue. It's like, ah, well, you ain't no good to us. So, like, you, this fool, this person saved all these people's lives, and all you can say is, like, well, they ain't no good to me, and you can, you know, we, I'm, we're just leaving them. I'm like, really, Tony? Seriously, I was like, man, Isaac Christian's getting screwed. Right. So, I'm like, like, like if it wasn't for this person, all these people would probably be dead or something. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Which I'm hoping that comes back up, but it probably won't. Uh, and then, of course, that whole one punch, one punch, is, which I actually, so, there was there was a thing that happened in the in near the end of the book, uh, which I feel like almost equates to that what I just mentioned, involving another person dressed in green <laughs> from right. from another uh, from another universe entirely, um, which you know I was like okay that's kind of funny, I don't think that was what they were going for but it was still cool, um, I don't know if you picked up on that. I kind of did. I mean, I definitely got the one punch uh, reference that you gave. I was like, all right, I get it. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to note something before we moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that Cafu's art on War Machine evokes the movie armor. Yes, I did notice. Definitely that well. evokes the movie armor more so than any of the comic book armor that we've seen recently uh, for Rhodey. So I thought that was interesting. But at the same time, you know, he was obviously coming off of being captured by uh, by Korvac and, and and friends. So uh, it may it stands to reason that he may have another set of armor. And still uh, not surprising uh, in that anyway. You know what I mean? What's that? Not that is that is taken after the movie armor, right? At this point, right. The only reason why I guess it stuck out to me is that the Iron Man armor went so retro comic wise. Mm-hmm. 
that it's weird that they they kind of push Rhodey into the uh, movie direction. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, worried. that's obviously that's I was about to say that that might be just an artistic decision, or who knows? Maybe Cantwell made it on purpose. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's probably some logic that could that could get thrown to it. But at this point, it kind of doesn't matter. I guess we'll see. This is something that that I just thought about that I want to say going into the next issue whenever that uh, happens. And I know they said it in the back of the book, but still. I swear to God, if y'all make Rhodey burn up in orbit again, I swear to God, (laughs) I'm coming up there. (laughs) No, they didn't say exactly when the next issue is coming out. Oh, did it? I thought they had a. I thought they had um, an April date. No, Maybe that was a different book I'm thinking about. It doesn't have a date on it. Mm. I know more and more books are having dates on them. Right. Notice that. Not this one though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I know. I've, yeah, definitely, I have seen them in a couple of books this week. So I, was, I would um, might have been conflating a different one than than that one. No, no I absolutely noticed the same thing. So you're not wrong on that. I had mm-hmm. to actually do, make sure and and, ch- and 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 check. So mm-hmm. this particular issue doesn't have it. Gotcha. Does not happen. Gotcha. But that's being said, I don't know if you have anything else on Iron Man Six. That was pretty much the, the crux of it. Like they're they're going into the space. They're obviously they're going after Corvac next uh, next issue. So we'll right. see how that plays out. Right. I, I guess the most frustrating part of this is is that why are we continuing to have to muster this this? I guess Cantwell just wants to write these characters. You know why are we dealing with these kind of. Uh, I, you know, with all due respect to some of these characters, like C and D and E and F list characters. Right. So, you know, why are we dealing with this? You know, like this is, you know, this is Korvac. This is literally Avengers level event. Right. Stuff. Which they and they even bring that up, right? They even bring right. that up in the course of this issue. It's like, well, can't we bring up some? Is there some other Avengers we can we can bring up? And you know, I think Rhodey said he called for some backup, but you know. We don't know who right, and obviously, you know, in, you know, comics has a long history of um, saying, you know, we can't do, you know, we can't call so and so because they're off planet or they're in the middle of such and such story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's nothing new. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is kind of one of those times you need them. <laughs> you would think, right? Exactly. Now, obviously, you know, well, not obviously, but um, Korvac from his, his beginnings has is still mega powerful. But kind of has had fallen from grace in, you know, the the last twenty thirty years since his big, which happens to characters at times. Like like I said, we said last week about Taskmaster, or and and other folks that was like, yeah, when they come across, they were like big threats or a big enough threats to to carry a whole issue, as opposed to just being like, hey, the first two or three pages of the issue, right? Fair, which you know, Corvax Corvax doing a whole arc, but not necessarily for you know, reasons uh, for similar reasons of what I just said. Um, I can't remember. I was going to say something about that, but it probably doesn't even matter at this point. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, the next issue. Um, when that, when that drops. Yep. All right. So let's spin up a uh, rapid fire. We got, we got quite a few books, uh, for for each of us to go through, so I will spin it up for rapid fire. Oh, 
right. Uh, do you mind if I lead this week? Go for it. All right. First up for me is Captain America number 27. It's written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, art with art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, Cap is exonerated of the murder of Thunderbolt Ross because they found him alive in the last couple of issues. But the Red Skull slash Alexander Lucan, uh, Lucan's plans are continuing to develop. So this story arc continues. Did I see, uh, did I see on the cover or some? I just want to saw either on the cover or something where uh, that said uh, this is how Cap got his groove back. It's not this issue. Okay. Okay. I think that is an upcoming issue. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's an upcoming issue. I okay. don't think we've passed that particular issue yet, which I know I know what you're talking about. Gotcha. Okay. Where, like, Captain America's kind of wading through the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it's not this issue. Oh, okay. Uh, next up, so we did Champions, Guardians, of Iron Man, King in Black, number four of five. So we're almost done, folks, with the King in Black line-wide event. This issue is, issue number four is written by Donny Cates with pencils by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Mayer, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So Donny Cates has definitely made me chuckle when he revealed who the opposite of Null really is. The tide may finally be turning in this issue with one more left in the miniseries. This is something I told Roddy Cat, and I think it's probably safe to say that if you have not been reading King and Black up until now, it's probably okay for you to jump into this issue. You pick up right on where we right right uh, where we are. You'll pick up on the story and follow it to its end in the next issue. So, um, we're almost done with King and Black. That's probably the best thing I can say about it, as Roddy Cat celebrates. Yay! Next up is Marauders number eighteen. I believe we both read this. Actually, I did not get to it. Okay, I'm not. You know, I, I'm speaking very. Uh, 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 I'm going to be speaking in very broad terms. I'm actually going to leave out something. In my notes don't read my notes. It's written by Jerry Duggan. With art by Stefano Caselli and Matteo Loli, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. The Hellfire Company, as Roddy Cat knows, is making moves in Madripoor against the Verendi government. But Hominus Verendi, the, uh, the, the group that's led by the Human Hellfire Club, ex Hellfire Club uh, members, is re uh, resurrects an old an old Hellfire Club idea to strike back. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. I didn't spoil it. Uh, next up, I believe you read this. Miles Morales, Spider Man number twenty three. I did. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Carmen Carnero, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is a King and Black tie-in that brings in fellow champion Miss Marvel during Null's invasion. Do you have anything to add? Because I didn't really think there was much to the issue. Um, the only thing I have to add to it is one, it was weird because they're again, as we as we said with the champions, they're still, as I said in my notes, especially, they're still off in Outlawed Land on the the Marauder's ship at 
some point. Obviously, time being different, you know, moving different. Uh, which actually, that was the other thing I was going to say about Iron Man because Iron Man was is one of the other books that uh, technically, well, there was a one shot with Iron Man and, and uh, Doctor Doom, so that might count for this. But one of the few books that hasn't yet gone into King of Black, um, and Miles just kind of gets there now. Uh, and the only other thing it seems that I I continue to love Miss Marvel and Miles as a team. Um, if they coupled up, that would have been great also, but I know they're still young and all that kind of good mess, but I do love their dynamic with each other, nevertheless, and in this issue continues to show that, and I really appreciate it, especially what happened, you know, at the, the uh, what we see at the end of the, the, uh, the issue. Right. I, I still love Well, they're to be continued, so. Well, yeah, there's the, that, but still. Right. The King and Black crossover is not yet done. Right. All right, next up for me is Thor number 12. This is a potential, potential click of the week. And I've been trying to get Roddy Cat to catch up on his <laughs> Thor. This issue is outstanding. It's written by Donny Cates, with art by Nick Klein, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. The opening fight sequence, including the opening narration, is so freaking good. It is so freaking good. I am not prone to hyperbole. Fans of the show and Roddy Cat will know. I am not prone to hyperbole when it comes to this, but... Holy mother-forking shirtballs. It's so good, this opening sequence. Um, Throg and Lockjaw take on Dr. Donald Blake. Uh, Dr. Strange makes an appearance while Valkyrie goes on a search to find the person who's pretty much behind this entire mess. So, uh, you know, I, 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 my understanding is that Roddy Cat's not too far behind, but far enough behind where I don't think he is caught up on the Donald Blake issues, um, of the, the, the past several months. So, it's definitely worth catching up, and for and for uh, ladies and gentlemen, and 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 folks of all ages who are listening and watching, this Thor run by Donny Cates is definitely, definitely been. It's definitely been very good. I definitely recommend if you're not into some of the slower parts and the the. Uh, I want to say the Galactus stuff that was early on which kind of served as the uh the the lead into this uh to to this new run on thor if you're not into that stuff if that stuff doesn't necessarily quite float your boat i hate to say this you could probably skip it because it really gets good after that and if you know talk about tying in various aspects of the Thor mythos and the greater Marvel universe into the book. So it's really been a lot of fun. Uh, last, no, not last on my list. I still have two more books. Sorry, folks. Got a lot of books to get through this week. It was a big week for me. X-Men Legends number one. This is uh, the, it's not necessarily an anthology book per se, but what it is is, you know, it's kind of the the retcon book where, <laughs> Uh, Marvel is allowing uh, creators to kind of create stories that fill in some of the blanks that maybe they might have wanted to get into. 
Um, and the reason why I mentioned uh, creators that they might have wanted uh, getting back into what they might have wanted to do back in the day, our first issue is led by writer Fabian Itieza with pencils by Brett Booth to give it that 90s feel, inks by Adelso Corona, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by Joe, uh, VC's Joe Caramagna. Uh, everybody obviously works for VC that does letters for Marvel. Um, this is a serious blast from the past. The story actually takes place in a big retcon way after X-Men, uh, the the 91 uh, Jim Lee, Chris Claremont uh, series, number 39, which is well after they both left the book. I actually looked this issue up in, I could have gone into my collection and dove into the back issue, uh, uh, the long boxes and taken a look, but I looked it up on Marvel Unlimited and I actually flipped through that story. Uh, it does involve Adam X. And now Adam X is exactly what some of us kind of suspected way back when. Not I, however. I did not suspect this at all. But we'll see how this plays out in the next issue. Yes, yeah, I skimmed this issue. And I... So this, it took place took place at a time where I was kind of sli- all pretty much off the books. Off of Xbox at the time. Um, so I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't familiar with Adam X. Right. But like, like Rito was like, okay, I get some of this stuff, but like, you know, yeah, that part with him and some of the other stuff that I kind of skimmed through that I was like, well, I'll go back to this, but I wasn't really too familiar about. Right. Well, this issue really does do a good job of refreshing folks recollections. Mm-hmm. And because it does put it in, uh, in, in into a particular uh, period of time, it did help that I went back to, this issue and read it, even though I did read this um, Legends book first and then went back to number 39. It might have helped to read 39 first, but, you know, that's only in retrospect. Sure. And I feel like this probably, in some respect, what they're trying to do with X-Men Legends. Um, right. Because they're definitely going to be, sounds like they're going to be retouching on, like, some old, a bunch of uh, old stuff in different ways. So... For fans who are familiar with it, will get it, and for fans who are not so familiar, it might get the might get the notion to go back and read it, or you know. So I'm fairly, I feel like it's probably going to serve both purposes, which is not a bad sure. thing. So, absolutely. Um, last for me this week is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin Number Two. Uh, there's a lot of credits here, folks, because there's a lot of folks involved. The story is by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. The script is by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Layouts by Kevin Eastman. Pencils and inks by Esau and Isaac Escorza, Ben Bishop, and Kevin Eastman. Colors by Luis Antonio Delgado and Sam- Samuel Plata. And letters by Sean Lee. The first big flashback in this issue reveal in the story really because the 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 first issue uh sends us deep into the story of the last ronin the last with and mild spoiler alert i'm gonna ring the spoiler bell at least for anyone who's not familiar with the idea behind this book although you can kind of get it you know it's mildly spoiled by the title but if you're not familiar with the terminology i'm going to ring the spoiler bell and it's been like two months since the first book Right, but I'm still going to ring it because you never know, you know, it could always be somebody's first episode. True. So. All right, I rang the spoiler bell. It's obviously called Last Ronin, but this book reveals some of the events leading to the loss of the other turtles 
where um and and this is another spoiler there is one turtle left i won't say who it is but there's one turtle left and um we also find out some of what has happened to april o'neill in the interim in the passing you know in 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 the interim between um the advent the, the 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 period of time where the number of turtles was uh, reduced and where we find ourselves in this issue. So um, this is actually a really entertaining book right now. It, it definitely, um, it definitely tickles the nostalgia, you know, fancy, you know, definitely uh, uh, touches upon that. Um, you know, I, I haven't always been the biggest turtles fan in terms of the comics, I've always been kind of hit and miss. I wasn't necessarily into some of the stuff that they decided to uh, develop over time in the comics, but you know, all in all, this has proven to be a really um, interesting story. So I'm willing to stick with it. Um, for anyone who's picking up the actual physical comic, I know that it is a weird, oversized book. It's not quite magazine size, and it's bigger than. It's not quite the the DC black label stuff, and it's but it's it's only a little bit bigger than a regular comic, so that collecting it kind of is a pain. But it, it's still, I think, worth anyone's time that has any sort of passing interest in the turtles or has like a nostalgia itch that they want to scratch. Mm. Uh, I hadn't had a chance to read this particular issue yet, uh, but I do remember reading the first one, and yeah, there's it's some. Um, like Agent 70 said, like it definitely uh, sparks some nostalgia and also like it has a pre- an interesting enough premise to want to see where it goes. You know? Like, exactly. I, I feel like there's part of this book just like where kind of, we kind of see where this could potentially go because like Marvel does um, not saying this is going to be this way, but Marvel does books like called uh, The End where it pretty much, uh, pretty much uh, goes through the last quote unquote supposedly the last story ever of uh you know of certain characters. Right. Um uh that again that's not saying that this is what this is uh but it kind of has shades of that. But also like I said it's still pretty interesting enough to see like, yeah, what's 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 actually going to happen. Absolutely. And how did it get to this point? So so I will be yep. definitely checking this out. Uh and that's it for you? That is it for me. A lot. That's a lot of books, man. That is definitely is. Yeah, I only have a couple of more books because I didn't get to. Uh, well, neither one of us got to the future state stuff this this uh, week, or at least not not you know, full reads. Right. Not enough to stuff. not enough to really talk about it uh, uh, intelligently. Exactly. So. But uh, first up for me is Modoc Head Games number three, written by Jordan Bloom and Pat Oswalt. Yes, that Pat Oswalt. Uh, art by Scott Hepburn, which I feel like I know that name for some more. I don't know why. Uh, that was just me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, colors by Carlos Lopez. Uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And that's it. So basically, so wait, did, you didn't have a chance to read this. And there's, there's really not too much to spoil on his, but, uh, but in the beginning. In which, the, book? Huh? which book? Huh? Which book? Modoc. Modoc, no, I did not have a chance to read this. I want to read it though. Gotcha. So yeah, let's say I won't spoil anything, and there's really not too terribly much to spoil. But there is an appearance which you saw at the end of last issue, so it won't be that much of a spoil by one Gwenpool. Mm-hmm. 
and this is pretty much their interactions. Uh, I basically said my, um, I, I basically said in my notes, um, so, um, well, one, I still have, a, so this in another book kind of is, is weird because like, okay, Gwenpool, as far as we know, is not a mutant, but she's been on Krakoa. So part of the issue shows her on Krakoa talking to uh, another character, which is kind of slightly amusing, but being uh, Gwenpool being Gwenpool. And then she goes into confronting Modok and then what happens with that? (laughs) Ouch. Um, Interesting. So, well, hey, you know, that's how it goes. Hey, that's life. I was going to say, know? that's life. <laughs> Sorry, we're just uh, uh, in, uh, reacting to some uh, back channel talk. Um, yeah. But the crux of the issue is pretty much the the interaction between Modoc and Gwimple and is is in ways kind of as ridiculous as you would think it would, given one and or both of those characters. So that's all I'll say about that. Uh, next book is Spider-Woman number nine. Written by Carla Pacheco. Pacheco? Yes. Uh, art by Perry Perez. Colors by Frank Darmada. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, Jessica argues semantics with the high evolutionary. Um, there are more and more clones of her mom, uh, thanks to the high evolutionary. We kind of find out a little bit more about that. I don't know if you plan on reading this or not, because I know you were kind of iffy about Spider-Woman at this point. I'm on and off. I'm kind of waiting for them to get to the story um, where she kind of goes back to the old costume. Right. So, but, you know, I'll I'll probably take a look at it just to see how the the high evolutionary uh, continues to play a role in her story. Because I know she's it's you know he's supposed to from the beginning, mm-hmm. but obviously the, all that predates my reading and my familiarity with the character. So, right. uh, let's just say there's there's probably a slight little bit of uh, retconning, not on that part, but uh, but with a couple of things here and there that I won't necessarily get into uh, for you, and we. I guess we get a kind of a minor revelation uh, in regards to that Octavia lady that um, that Jessica's been dealing with. And uh, the inevitable ensues, I'll put it that way, without, you know, uh, supporting things. Uh, That being said, last book for me... Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, last book for me is Savage Avengers number 18, which, yes, this book is still going, apparently. We have no idea when this book is going to end. Um, we, we were surprised that it got into this high number of double digits. Right, because at first we weren't sure if it was going to get into the high double digits, and then we're like, no, they said they were going to do it at somewhere in the, you know, the double digits, like around... We were thinking 15 or 17. We were still not even sure, but now it's going past that. So we still don't know. And they had, I don't recall if they've ever had the limited series um, um, addressing on this. So like I said, we, at some point we weren't really even sure. I suspect it's still probably going to end at some point. And maybe they just got an extension uh for whatever reason because this has now flooded through a couple of uh events at this point including now king and black 
which leads us into this. Uh, Deadpool's 30th anniversary, and he's in the bar with no name uh, about to rob the Hellfire Club. Or they, they, so he, uh, Conan, and this other new person named Nightflyer, um, who has this plan to rob the Hellfire Club, which we just talked about in Marauders, apparently. Um, and uh, we find out that Conan is a little progressive, apparently. But also that um, he gets allied, which brings us to the, the King and Black tie-in of sorts, with a symbiote who has a convenient grudge on Cool and Gath. Like, this has been kind of you know, kind of kind of coming into in and out of uh, King of Black at certain points, so it's not surprising that it's still there. But we'll see how that works out because I know they're supposed to be getting up to that last battle of Cool and Gath, um, and they meet up with the mutants with some mutants that you would not expect to be to classically be in the Hellfire Club, uh, and a little thing ensues there, and it says. Um, Oh yeah, um, one of the mutants is Callisto, who basically tells Deadpool, "Like you're not a mutant anymore, and if I wish you were, um, well, it basically says um, if you were a mutant, you would be going into the hole, which you you know you know from the X books is uh, is a place that no mutant machine trying to go. So which right. brings me Sabretooth is down there right now. Apparently, Sabretooth is the only one that's down there right now. Yes. Um, wait, yeah, that's it. Um, so, which brings to the thing, like, wait, so when did Deadpool not stop being a mutant? If that's the case. Because, like, if that came up somewhere, we don't, then I have no idea what it is, where it was. You got me. I'm like, what? This is news yeah, to me. Exactly. When I read that, I was like, wait, what? Um, and then, and doubling that with the fact that Gwenpool, who, as far as we know, is not a mutant, but able to just kind of come and go on Krikoa. Um, at, at her leisure, and apparently even go through the gate. So that's uh, go through gate. So you know, given her the nature of her quote unquote powers, we don't know what's just, you know, that. It never makes sense. I don't like either of the poles, so it doesn't matter. matter but it's, uh, that, yeah. um, it's kind of weird. And we have seen Gwenpool on Krakoa before, so again, this is not the first time. It's just still weird. Uh, but the last no, last of my notes is that uh, Iceman should know who Ymir is when when Conan brings it up, but I guess it doesn't really matter now. Why does Conan know who Ymir is? Right, that was the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other thing. That That's a like, totally different mythology, but whatever. Right. So I was like, okay, we know because Conan came came basically came back through during War. Wait, was it during War of the, War of the Realms? Where he came back through? Well, he was brought through. I can't remember now. I can't remember. But even still, I don't recall any uh, any interactions with Thor or any Asgards that would even want him knowing who Ymir is. Because he That's even so- says like, uh, "Tell the tell the fresh hand I said hello" or something like that. You know, when he when he kind of goes after uh, Iceman. Maybe he's gone on an adventure since. Maybe and yeah, I guess maybe something we've yeah, never I seen. No. Yeah, we just missed it. But still, that's still we read a lot of we read a lot of books, folks. We, we can't do. read them all. This is true, but it's still kind of weird, regardless of whether it's yeah. like that's still kind of weird. The fact that it's like how I didn't even have to say eight to seventy pretty much say exactly what I was thinking. Like how in the hell did he even knew who that was? Right. So absolutely. Uh, but that's pretty much the, the crux of that the, that book, and it's to be continued. So it's going to end up. Um, 
next issue, and it's still going by unabated. Oh wait, did I? I did say the. Did I say the? The the um the creative team of this book. I don't think I did. Uh, uh, uh no, go ahead. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Kev Walker, colors by Java Tartaglia, uh, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And that is it for my books. It's amazing that Savage Avengers is still going. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so, folks, we get to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week. And I apparently, because of that back channel, channel chatter that you have seen some heard some dings for, uh, we got at least one from Dirt, who, oh, that's you said that, uh, he's going with, wait, so we're, we're assuming he's going with Thor? Yes, he Thor? is going with Thor number 12. Okay, so Thor number 12 for, for Dirt. Uh, yes. He does admit that he accidentally picked up uh, two copies of it, one of the regular <laughs> cover and one of the variant. So if you're looking for either cover, you should contact at PCN underscore dirt and see if you can't pick up one of those copies off of his hands. Um, I am going to second Thor number 12. You could probably tell that I was going to pick it because of my effusive praise for it this week. It was so good. It's so fun. Like I said, that opening sequence, I actually want to go back and read it again now because mm-hmm. it was so good. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, let's see. Wait, so we got, we got there. I'm sorry, did you say yours? I'm sorry. Yeah, Thor number 12. Thor number 12 also. Okay, gotcha. Let me write this stuff down while I'm thinking about it. For myself... I think, and we didn't get anything from from Tim, so because apparently he's just you know he's been busy. Understand, man? Been busting it. He's running behind. It's okay. Yeah, that man's been busting it, so we can cut him some slack. Um, I don't know. This is a weird week because like Black Widow was good. Um, Right, that would have been my second choice. Yeah, that might end up being that. um, What was the other one I said? Guardians was good on its own accord for for reasons, but it's still kind of like, hmm, weird. Um, You know what? Miles was actually, again, from what I said earlier, Miles was also pretty good, I thought. You know, despite being a a King of Black tie-in, you know, like I said, the dynamic between uh, Miles and Kamala is always great to me, and that one still shows that uh, Solid Anime is like, you know what, he gets it. He gets it. Um, but yeah, you know what? I think I will go for Black Widow number five. Shout out to Miles Morales, Spider-Man uh, number 23, though. Which, yeah. And that being the case, we are go going to go into the news. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off, and to help keep our show free for you, 
go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. I have evoked, invoked the seldom used uh, double click of the week. <laughs> and there's a reason why we seldom use them because it's, it's dumb to do that. Anyway, folks, we are going to go into the comic book news, starting with the animated, excuse me, I'll start with the cinematic news, and we start off with... Modoc's stop-motion series includes two major X-Men villains. So, uh, in addition to writing the aforementioned uh, book, the, we uh, folks know that there's going to be a television show based off Modoc. Um, uh, I believe show ran by Jordan Bloom and starring and written by uh, both Jordan Bloom and uh, Pat Roswald. So, apparently, Jordan Bloom confirmed on Twitter that Mr. Sinister will be making an appearance on the show, on the television show, specifically, uh, posting a design of the Mad Genesis on Twitter. Uh, for those who missed it, the very fabulous Mr. Sinister, Sinister will be popping up on Marvel's Modoc in all his deep V-neck glory. Uh, Bloom wrote, also suggesting that fans read the current Hellions series from Marvel, and confirming Sinister's design was also influenced by X-Men, the animated series. Um, and you can see the tweets there. Uh, let's see. Apparently during an interview, uh, Bloom also revealed that the character design for the Brood Queen uh, will, um, who is also going to appear on the show, which seems kind of weird. But also, it's AIM, so I guess it makes sense. Given that it's MODOK. So, there's a lot more mutant, uh, mutant-related mutant uh, material going into the show than, than expected. So, yeah, that's the thing. And it's got a cast. I'm still not really sure when that show's going to happen, but it's going to be on Hulu, so I'll probably never watch it. Next up. Next up, we are in our WandaVision portion of the show. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about WandaVision episode six. So, uh, folks, we are in, we're, we're getting close to the home stretch. Uh, I don't know if you have anything in here about the fact that these last three episodes are supposed to be closer to an hour long. Um, I do not, but I did see something, or I did hear something about that, though. Right, so we can mention that just now off the, uh, at the top of our uh, discussion of Episode 6 and just say that we are getting into the meat of the story. And a lot of stuff happened in Episode 6, which uh, is going to have ramifications not just on Wanda, not just on Vision, but on a lot of the... Um, the Scooby Squad that uh, uh, that Monica Rambeau put together, mm-hmm. so um, it's uh, you know it, it's going to be pretty eventful. I think it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, the first story, though, and then, you know we'll, we'll talk about the, the the episode as we go through these stories. 
Um, the first story here involves the darkest commercial so far uh, that has been portrayed in the uh, in the series, and it seems to hint at Wanda and Pietro's childhood trauma. At least that's what this theory is in this article. Um, the other commercial seemed to try to pull back on macabre tones, but this one doesn't hold back. It focuses on a claymation kid on a deserted island, parched and burned under the sun, who says, I'm so hungry I'd eat anything, which results in a shark pulling up on a surfboard and telling the kid he no longer gets hungry. After asking how the shark did this, the creature credits Yo Magic. <laughs> Yo Magic. <laughs> It's a sharp exchange mimicking the Go-Gurt ads from the 90s and 2000s. It absolutely did. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Unfortunately, the weakened child is unable to open up the yogurt. <laughs> and he spends days and nights trying to do so, but he withers away into a skeleton and dies with a tagline saying, Yo Magic, the snack for survivors. With Wanda and Pietro standing in for the survivors. I, th this is just creepy as all hell. It was kind so. of weird. Yeah. Um, and at first I was like, wait, so is the shark supposed to be whoever Pietro is representing? But that doesn't seem right. Um, and some people, and obviously, you know, this this thing has been picked all to, to death in various places. You know, the surfboard could be suggesting something. Uh, there's references to the monkey's paw in the... Um, you know, and the way this goes down is, is some people have postulated. So it's a, it's a whole thing. Right. I mean, there's lots of different symbolism that you could interpret mm -hmm. into this particular commercial. You know, one of them being in this article goes on to posture, uh, to, to posit that, um, <clears throat> the, uh, the shark could, could symbolize, um, other countries, uh, during the, uh, the, the suppression and, and the oppression of Sokovia, uh, that that uh, that that offer aid, but um, they don't uh, help with making any long-lasting reform or changes, and that's why some dissidents like Wanda and Pietro eventually rise up in a war-torn country uh, like Sokovia. Mm -hmm. So that's one theory of it. But um, I didn't necessarily think that. Maybe I'm I was just watching it with too superficial an eye. When I watched it, I just thought it was creepy as hell. Yeah, and. Um, you know, generally lent its generally lent to the um, the the creepy mood of the episode, which is set around Halloween. So that's one aspect of this uh, episode we can talk about. The other aspect I can talk about offhand before we get into the next story is that much like previous episodes, we are now riffing. Uh, the show is now riffing on sitcoms from a certain era of television. And this seemed to uh, this seemed to echo a sitcom I did not watch, which is Malcolm in the Middle. I just I recognized it just from having watched the opening of the show enough times to turn away from it, which is funny. You know, no shots fired, really. I just it wasn't my cup of tea back in the day. So um, it was you know, it was it just wasn't for me. So ultimately, I recognized it as a Malcolm in the Middle thing, which apparently debuted in the late '90s, like '99-ish. Right. So, um, so that we're talking like really late '90s, early 2000s um, era uh, that this episode uh, plumbed for inspiration. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's pretty much that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Wait, let me see. I'm trying to see if there's something that actually goes. Yeah, we'll get into it. it doesn't matter. Um, there was something I was going to say about it, but it'll come back to me though. We'll move along. Um. Oh wait, that, that, that's what I was going to say. The um. So the whole, as said already, you know, the whole your magic thing and the even the the conceit behind the commercial is far different from the other ones because they were all couched into different eras uh, of uh, stuff, but also were more in line with selling you either TVs or, you know, appliances or something like, you know, something like, or even, you know, Calgon products and stuff like that. Like this one just pretty much goes a wholly different route and doesn't have any, any obvious, um, any obvious references to anything or anybody as the other ones would have done because obviously you know the other ones have reference hydra tony stark you know stark industries that kind of thing so you know, there's a weird meaning behind this that we're still that, that's probably i'm sure we're still not getting that hasn't come up yet i don't know mm-hmm. but moving right along uh a sword apparently so this is a one division th- uh theory um, and this is kind of going along with a theory that I actually had. I don't know if it's going to bear out that way, but nevertheless, and I think I've mentioned this in passing last, uh, after we talked, uh, last, uh, episode, uh, Agent 70, but mm-hmm. basically sword created Westview is the theory in here, which pretty much goes into the whole Pleasant Hill thing that we were talking about after the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you even mentioned it during the show, I might you have. know, like early on. Yeah, I might have. I don't know. Uh, but there, there does definitely feels like shade. So basically, the, I think the the crux of the theory, which kind of goes slightly differently than where I was thinking, uh, but it says that. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the other theories aside, that um, sword basically created uh, Westview because it was trying to. Let's see, it's what well, it just says. Uh, sword is very uh, second center was very very at least, but it's more makes more sense because so basically they were they've been tracking vision during the course of this thing, and they might have something to do with why Westview is a thing in the first place. And I think part of mo- what my theory was into was like we know Jimmy Woo had somebody in protective custody there. Uh, which probably still would also slide slightly different from what we know of um, Pleasant Hill and that standoff uh, Avengers event. Uh, but um, the, the crux of the whole Pleasant Hill and uh, standoff thing was that uh, Maria Hill basically used a part of the Cosmic Cube and made a place to use as a... Uh, prison for supervillains by wiping their brains and making them giving them newer you know different identities so that they wouldn't know anything about their old life which not too far unlike what we we see Wanda doing in WandaVision with folks I think we can safely say at this point that's what's going on at, at, at some level you know, we don't know how much control she's having over it, or even how that's. You know, I'm sure we're about to get to that in this next episode that's coming in a few hours. But whatever. Uh, yeah. But the whole Pleasant Hill the standoff thing kind of bears into the fact that what this theory is saying is like, see, a sword probably made this for some odd reason, which we won't get into the whole thing. 
So, like I said, I'm I'm with part of the theory, but you know, the, the, on based on the fact that that might have something to do with that. But like I said, it kind of skews from where I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we'll see if that's if that's the case because we and we also know that you know it does seem like Wanda's not necessarily pulling all the streams, and which kind of lends itself to another theory that you know somebody's tugging at her, and right. some people are saying it might be sword. Um, but again, which kind of lends itself to this theory also, but we'll see next up. All right. So I've got the hexagon story, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So WandaVision may have finally explained its hexagons. I'm pulling it up now. Um, uh, the shape was, was used to frame Wanda and vision at the end of their episodes. And the warped reality of the town of Westview is also contained in a hexagonal shape. Uh, countless theories were born as a result to explain the presence of these hexagons on the series, ranging from the resurgence of Iron Man villain, Iron Man three villains aim to the devil of the Marvel universe himself, Mephisto. However, in the series latest episode, um, the use, the use of hexagons may have been finally explained, and it's not what anyone expected. After last week's We Interrupt This broadcast, WandaVision's latest Halloween episode um, states that... Uh, hold on. As it turns out, the agency monitored Westview and revealed that the sitcom reality was contained inside a perfect hexagonal shape. This was no accident considering that hexagons also appeared blah, blah, blah. Oh, Jesus. I hate these articles. Um, <laughs> they do tend to go on a bit. Right. right. Um, so spoiler alert, when referring to the sitcom reality, um, at the at the heart of Westview, Darcy Lewis, Doctor Darcy Lewis, people, mm -hmm. Doctor Darcy Lewis refers right, to it as the hex, given its hexagonal shape. While the uh, MCU has yet to go into details about the nature of the Scarlet Witch's abilities in the comics, her powers are known as hex magic. So, uh, therefore, the presence of hexagonal shapes in one division may simply be a way to work this hex magic into the stories while having it makes make sense. Of course, it's always possible that there could be bigger meaning behind the hexagons, but sometimes the simplest explanation is the one that makes the most sense. We will see with three episodes remaining. Yep. Yeah, I mean, then they might not mean as much as people think they are, but, you know, this is what we Or do they mean like... more, right? That's right. the or thing. Could be. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll see, though. Next up, bing, how WandaVision kept Evan Peters' casting a secret. Uh, so apparently, WandaVision's Kat Dennings uh, shared how the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series was able to keep Evan Peters' casting as Quicksilver as a secret from the Marvel C Cinematic Universe fans for so long. Um, Dennings shared that Peters' casting was not only a massive surprise, quote-unquote, for fans, but that the show kept his presence a secret from her too, quote unquote, cloaking the actor on set. Uh, while she was a guest on Jimmy Kimmel Live, she says, um, I was the last person to know anything, she said. Obviously, that was a massive surprise, she said, uh, referring to when Peter showed up at Wanda's doorstep at the end of uh, episode five. Uh, that's WandaVision episode five, not Star Wars episode five, because there would be some crazy person. Um, anyway, <laughs> I mean, they kept it from me a little bit as well. She added, uh, I wasn't sure what's going on while we were shooting. They cloaked him in 
this thing so no one could take a drone shot of him getting out of the van or whatever. It was a big secret, They but they pulled it off. So, cool. Next up. Right, so, uh, you know, and, and we'll get into more about the episode as we wrap up this uh, this story. But Marvel didn't tell Kat Dennings that her contract was for WandaVision. I love this. It's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good. You know, in that same uh, interview on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Kat Dennings t- uh, talked about how she wasn't expecting a call from Marvel Studios, uh, nor that uh, uh, the studio was looking to use her character in the show. She was totally surprised. So she didn't know that uh, this was uh, coming in. Uh, she got cold called. She got cold called by Marvel, and she was just like, yeah, of course, whatever you want, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So um, she didn't know what it was. She knew that uh, Disney Plus shows were kind of coming out. She didn't know which one this could be. So she, in fact, was a little bit surprised because her character had no contact with anyone in the WandaVision world. So, And she denied, of course, the snipers are out there. She denied knowing what the show has in store for her character. (laughs) I only know what I shot. I love it. Dennings responded when asked by Kimmel. They're never going to answer that, Jimmy. We know this. Right. Well, I mean, well, a couple of them would, but yeah, <laughs> catch but, them at but, the right time. Marvel, yeah, I was about to say Marvel Studios has taken steps to keep those two from doing any more damage. Exactly. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, so that's essentially it with uh, you know with the stories. Uh, we can start talking about the episode again. Um, as I mentioned before, this is a Halloween themed episode as well as a Malcolm in the Middle themed or styled episode. Um, you know, we, 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 we continue with the story of the resurrected sort of Pietro Maximoff, AKA Quicksilver. And there's a couple of things that we find out in this episode, uh, that kind of throw a little bit of a wrench into some of the, the, the thinking here. One is that, um, uh, you know, obviously we recognize the actor, Evan Peters as the Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men universe, but he seems to have the memories of the MCU Pietro played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very disconcerting to hear him talk about, uh, you know, some of the details, even though they're fuzzy, you know, he talks about getting shot like a chump in the street for no reason at all, apparently. But we know that uh, there was a reason for him to sacrifice himself in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't uh, he doesn't uh, remember that, so that's a little weird. And we also get a, a flash, much like we did with um, the Vision in Episode Four Something. of um, right Episode Four, where with the where we saw the Vision. Uh, post Thanos ripping the Mind Stone out of his forehead, um, we see that you know that the dead, uh, the, the 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 dysfunctional or the non-functioning corpse of the Vision standing there. In this case, we see Quicksilver, uh, Evan Peters Quicksilver, but with the same or similar bullet uh, wounds suffered by uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, Quicksilver in Age of Ultron. So you know, just a just a, a brief flash. So, you know, that, that part happens. And then, um, uh, 
there, you know, the, the the crux of the story, as I said before, is a Halloween episode. So we get a couple of things happening in the episode that, at least up to this point, really we really haven't seen. One is that there, up until this point, have, there have not been any children running around other than uh, Tommy and Billy before this episode. But in this episode, because it's Halloween themed, we get a ton of children running around Westview, and that actually becomes an issue. Uh, that's something that Quicksilver himself brings up. Yep, this is true. Uh, which actually brings up, uh, real quick before you go on, um, brings up something that I have a theory about with Quicksilver. Like, I know there have been people already saying that that's probably not actually him. Not, like, not, not neither version of him. Uh, but I'm kind of wondering if Loki is around... And is portraying this version of uh, Pietro Quicksilver. Because if you think about when they were talking during that one scene, and he was asking all these questions about how she how she do this and all that kind of all this stuff, and he was pretty well aware that she was, you know, that this was her doing, you know, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that Quicksilver would, I mean, even being a twin and, you know, whatever connections that they would have therein would potentially know that maybe that's not true but i don't know so it would have to be someone who would have some sort of knowledge to that and obviously you know the the more obvious folks would be like the mama uh mephisto you know xyz but right uh, i've I've also heard nightmare nightmare also has been been batted around so yeah i like i actually like nightmare uh as a possibility to tie into uh uh, Doctor Strange, because mm-hmm. we know that Wanda's going to appear in the next Doctor Strange movie. Yep. Um, any other thoughts before I move on? Um, and that's that. Like I said, Loki's. We do know that Loki's still floating around, and the the mannerisms that kind of uh, like granted that could just been Evan Peters, you know, portrayer as, as, as Quicksilver. But I feel like some of his mannerisms while he was talking up until the time that Wanda zapped him, kind of mm-hmm. felt like Loki. Mm-hmm. So that's all. I get. It. I get it. I get it. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple things with regards to uh, the interaction between Quicksilver, this version of Quicksilver and uh, Wanda. Oh, well, one, he, Pietro seems to know that Westview in its current form is a construct made by Wanda, mm-hmm. and he just understands and goes with it. Um, and Wanda seems to not fully remember how she got to this point. She just remembers... You know, she doesn't remember how she created it. She says that she only remembers feeling completely alone and empty and, uh, you know, endless nothingness. So, you know, it sounds like there's another factor in play when it comes to Wanda's creation of Westview, at least from that explanation or from that little bit of dialogue. Which some people have uh, posited that um, and I kind of sort of believe it, that maybe she was in a coma. Or he is, or well, not is, but maybe she was in a coma at some point, which would also go back to the comics at some point. Mm. But you know, we'll see. You know. We'll see. It doesn't. That doesn't necessarily. Well, yeah. I mean, you never know because of the, the nature of her powers. Right. The fact that she interacted with uh, Monica doesn't sound like um, she's under. You know that she's in like a comatose state right now, but you never know. Right, but she was when right, but she might have been before this happened because that's why she says she only feels nothing completely alone, empty. Maybe, yeah, maybe. 
Could be spitballing. It's a theory. It's a theory, and mm. they're at this point they're just as valid as any any others. Pretty much. Um, which is the best part about this show. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we, we're we're absolutely dealing with, and and I'm just going to pause the the recap on the show and the discussion just to say that if there's one thing that um, WandaVision has really benefited from is that because it's out on a weekly basis, despite the fact that everyone wants to binge it and everyone wants to be done with it and, and, and find out what's going on, the fact that it's out on a weekly basis lends to it being the talk of, you know, social media, of the water cooler for at least a weekend and a, and a few days up until, you know, people who may not be, you know, um, uh, first night viewers kind of catch up on it. So, you know, they're definitely uh, dominating the conversation. I'll give them that. Yeah, and yeah, and as people have been also saying, like, yeah, back those of us of a certain vintage didn't have the ability to binge. We had to right. wait for the next week for the next show to to, uh, to go along. So, so most of us are like, no, nah, this is you know, it's yeah, we're we're excited to see. It. We want it to happen sooner rather than later. But you know, hey, this is the thing that's happened. <laughs> right. That's why I, mean, I still kind of I still kind of binge like that because as Agent Seventy knows, I was been going through my um, recap of um, rewatch of uh, Clone Wars, and I only hit like a couple episodes at a time, and not just like blah 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 like the whole uh, seasons. Oh, I see that. See, I, I I differ, but only because if it's available, I'll binge it. If it's not, I don't mind. Yeah. That's the I think that's the, the the primary difference that I have with these people that complain right. because I remember what it's like to yeah. have to wait, so I'm cool with that. Um. <laughs> So, uh, but getting back to the episode, uh, as I said, it's a Halloween-themed episode, so not only um, are decorations up, but the characters are also dressed up in costume. One, Pietro actually puts on his comic-accurate costume. A generic version of, yes. Which all of the costumes are pretty much a generic versions of, which I want to say the exception of Wanda's, but even hers is kind of, which she actually looked good in that. So, uh, Would you say version? Uh, what generic. version? generic version oh, generic yeah yeah but at the same time kind of comic accurate you know like in terms of color oh, yeah, totally. scheme and, yeah. and, and 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 patterns with what they're going so, for yeah it, it's still it, yeah. it's yeah still a thing i get Even it down Absolutely. to uh, pietro's hair yeah right 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 lots of hairspray mm-hmm. uh uh but uh, you know as, as Ryder cat mentioned uh the scarlet witch is dressed up and she 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 plays it off as that she's dressed up as a sokovian fortune teller uh, which made me laugh. I'm like, well, I guess that's how they can explain away that costume. Sure. Um, and uh, the vision is a Mexican wrestler. <laughs> which I, 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 so I, when that part came, I, I kind of was like, what? I did kind of a double take. I'm like, and even, cause even vision says like, I know how much you love your Mexican wrestling. So I'm like, is that a reference to something that I don't remember? <laughs> you got me. You got me. I thought I, I was just like, what, where is this coming from? Right. And obviously, you know, the Vision isn't so. I know people who only know the Vision from the MCU do, don't may or may not know that he was would dress up in all like he was basically green and pretty much green and yellow, you know, mm-hmm. and red faced, and with the you know with the solar jewels. So it's a slightly pretty different than what we see in the, in the, the MCU version. All right, and what's funny is that Tommy and Billy are actually wearing the uh, somewhat comic accurate costumes mm-hmm. as well. Yep. For their respective characters, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, before we move on from the costumes, it's interesting that um, when um, this is this is uh, lending into one of the theories. 
Mm-hmm. When Quicksilver says to the children, unleash hell, demon spawn, <laughs> that's very much out of character for an uncle. So, not really. Uh, if, if it's the wild uncle that's, you know, it's like, hey, just comes, just comes across, the, you know, the wild and crazy uncle book type uncle, uncle who just don't, you know, who just comes in and ruins the kids and leaves, it's not that far off. I guess. I guess, but you know, I just, I, I just kind of, I, you know, that 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 one, that particular uh, bit of dialogue stuck mm-hmm. in my mind. So oh, totally, because it's see. right, because it's going back to what you know, it's going back to some comic book stuff with right. with respects to Billy and Tommy. Right. So I'm glad to see that mentioned here in this little recap. I'm I'm kind of paging my way through. Right. Um. So what they do, what 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 Wanda does tell the kids though, as they're going through, there's a couple of hijinks involved with. Uh, with uh, trick-or-treating and, and whatnot, but she tells them that they're not supposed to go beyond a certain road, which is one hint of what's of what's going on, uh, that she knows more about the hex and, and its limitations than, than we've been led to believe so far. Right. Before so, you go any further with that, uh, there, was, there was, sorry, one more piece about the, because I'm looking at that same article you're looking at, and they make a note of Wanda's headpiece, which says also resembles horns. I'm sitting here like, that's pretty much how her thing has always been. So, but they're saying is. is oh, sorry, you're looking at the CNET one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was about to say I, I didn't see that. Yeah. So the, yeah, the last line of that part you was just do, going off of was like, um, you know, oh, I, about, okay. Yeah, and they were talking like like the if it resembles Holland's possibly indicated that it's under she's under demonic influence. Like, no, that was just her classic costume. It was always like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also, there was a part about that uh, on the shell about uh, may possibly be a clue to uh, you know his true identity, which you know you already know the theories of who the big bad might be on that one. Um, right. And uh, going back to that road part, so I don't know, did you go the same place that uh, a lot of people did? A lot of about who that might be a reference to the road in question, Alice. Yeah. So some people are saying, well, because I, I saw one video that said it was possibly President Ellis of the M- MCU. Right. That's what I thought. Um, I didn't I think thought that. It was a reference to. Right. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying I thought that was a reference. That was the that we re- that was the reference that right. uh, at least as I remember that president that was uh, in office during. I want to say the period around Avengers. Iron Man three, mm-hmm. Age of Ultron was a President Ellis, right? So that's what I remember, right? And I have definitely have seen seen and uh, seen and heard uh, that being the case. But my first thing, I went to Warren Ellis, which the writer, right? Mm-hmm. The the writer who, as far as I remember, has nothing to do with either Vision or Scholar, which at any point in his career that I know of. So you know, Monica, yes, but. <laughs> right um, because of next wave but um, uh, yeah but Vision and Scarlet Witch as far as I know hasn't really had any hands on them that we know of so we don't know you know the the, the president one probably is more legit is, is as legit as if we got so far if it even means anything at all gotcha alright go ahead sorry continue alright it's alright um, so as Vision is, is is kind of straying from the center of town where, where Wanda is, what he's running into is that um and this was creepy as all hell when I when when, when they portrayed it and much <laughs> credit to the actors who was who were doing this and portraying this. 
he finds the townspeople of Westview going in loops or just standing still, which kind of is a hint at the, you know, the limit of her influence. And maybe she needs to be nearby to exert her full level of influence on these, uh, on these um, residents of Westview. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were basically one, buffering. What's that? They were basically buffering. Right. And one woman has a tear running down her face, which, which suggests that it's true. So, mm-hmm. uh, what Vision discovers near the end, near the edge of town, near uh, was it Ellis Avenue, I think. Oh, you uh, that, yeah. Vision discovers Agnes sitting in her car. Uh, she seems to have been driving towards the avenue, and uh, I guess uh, the control that Wanda was exerting seemed to have um, gone to a point where she herself was kind of in uh, stuck in a rut. And um, Vision kind of does his little um, uh, touchy. You know, t- you know, like kind of uh, remove the hex off of them, or at least re- reboot their their minds for for a brief second. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Vision does that to Agnes, and she says, "Hey, aren't you one of the Avengers? Are you here to help us?" And uh, Vision's like, "Who are the Avengers?" Which is very jarring to hear. Yes, and very very telling. So. Um, you know, the, the, this particular article posits, you know, or, or at least this, uh, has a suspicion about Agnes possibly faking this, um, this uh, not knowing what's going on. I thought that, too. I mean, especially because especially with everyone that Vision had came up, come up to at the edge of town before that seemed to be in a more stuttered state than she ended up being even before he reprogrammed her. You know, mm-hmm. It just feels like like she was playing like she was like oh wait play that just stuck there, <laughs> right 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 right. So I mentioned that the boys uh, Tom and Billy uh, gain superpowers you know like they the, the same powers that they do in um, in the comics. Um, as you know as we as we as we uh, continue to follow the vision though he steps out or at least tries to step out of the Westview barrier and starts to uh, deteriorate and decay and start to lose bits of himself. When the breach is detected, the sword teams, uh, you know, response teams um, react to the breach. And um, something that I kind of glossed, uh, I didn't really get a chance to talk about and isn't really mentioned in this recap article is that um, the, uh, the, the Monica Rambo Scooby squad, including uh, Dr. Darcy Lewis and Agent Jimmy Wu um, are basically escorted out of the, or at least are, are escorted out of the main yeah. meeting area and are supposed to be escorted off the base, but they overpower their sword guards <laughs> and go uh, into disguise to try to um, gain some intel. And what they do find out is that sword is able to track vision by his uh, vibranium, uh, 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 the rate of vibranium decay that he's going under because it's, you know, it's at least a Marvel Universe element so they know the decay rate so they can track vibranium. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they are able to to, to, to track that. And, uh, you know, that creates some questions as to what S.W.O.R.D.'s uh, purpose is or has been or has been in the past. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, some of the articles I've seen uh, talk about, you know, what S.W.O.R.D. is really about as a result of what they discover um, on this little side quest. Right. But as the breach uh, occurs, uh, Darcy, uh, Dr. Darcy Lewis um, also tries to respond and yells out, you got to help him while, um, 
Well, I guess I think Monica and Jimmy make a break for it to try to get uh, some more help. Right. And now, hold, yeah, hold that thought right there. Because, yeah, there was that one part that uh, that that uh, um, that did come up before that. So, uh, yeah, they get uh, attempt to be escorted out of the, the base. Some people make a note about the ponchos being some relation to uh, what Thor did in, in Thor 1. But I don't you know. Sure. I guess. Whatever. Um, but. So they go into this other place and uh, they kind of hatch their plan to go either get help or something because Monica's got a got an engineer friend, which we still don't know. And there's theories about that. Uh, so uh, Monica and uh, Jimmy Wu go off to that while while Darcy's like Dr. Darcy's like, uh, I'm going to stay here because there's this one other thing, firewall thing that I need to crack because it might be something big. So that mm-hmm. what leads to what Agent 70 was just saying about, you know, uh, them going to get help while Darcy stays and she ended up where where he's talking about right so continue all right so uh but as i was saying um you know uh vision is trying to make a break for it through the uh the westview barrier and implores the (laughs) and implores the uh the guards to um to uh save the people Mm mm-hmm or help the people, I think he says. Yeah, which we also note that this kind of answers a question about uh, Vision that I know some people have had in the fact that whether he would be able to exist outside of the the barrier or not. Uh, and given this, we kind of see that, but also that we, you know, it's not a total just disappearing and might have something to do with the 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 uh, the, the mind stone that he's wearing. As the wife took so long as to, to, to that happened, but we definitely get something. Yeah, well, clearly he can't exist for too long outside of the barrier. Right. So what ends up happening is that, uh, you know, Billy, thanks to his Wiccan powers, senses what's going on with, uh, with Vision and tells Wanda. And Wanda reacts by expanding the Westview hex, the boundaries <laughs> of the wall. And in doing so, uh, uh, envelops the sword base, which becomes a circus, which I found funny. Yeah. The agents become clowns, and Darcy, we don't know what she's going to become yet. That's going to be interesting. Right. Yeah, she was, like, the first one to get to get uh, to, to phase through the thing and as she tries to utter a, a pseudo-curse word. But yeah, we yeah, I think she says fudge. Yeah, she does say fudge. Um, yeah. But we don't get to see what she becomes, so I don't know if that's just, like, oh, we're just going to save this for next uh, episode, but everybody else we get to see that gets uh, phased through and turned. We, we definitely see what happens to them. Right. Uh, acting so, director. Well, acting director, he, he kind of got away because Monica and, Monica and Jenny was, was far enough away to where they got away from it. And uh, the, the, uh, the director was just out of reach, basically, seems like. Right. All right. He does get away, as do uh, Jimmy and Monica. So um, you know, we talked about the ad before. Um, there is a mystery that comes up with uh, Monica Rambo because... Apparently, uh, oh, that was Darcy. Yeah, Go yeah. Ahead. Darcy reveals that going through the hex twice has rewritten Monica's cells, uh, and it's unclear how this has changed her. But it reminds Monica of her mother's cancer, and she's apparently unwilling to worry about it right now. I don't know about that. I'm well, wondering if know. she knew she had powers already. See, that was the kind of thing that seemed because they had been playing with that the whole you know, during the whole five, five, six episodes that she may or may not have her powers or she's just intuitive in some kind of way. I get the feeling that this is pretty much cementing the fact that now this is how she's going to get her powers because of you know going back in again, which she will probably do next episode. That's fine by me. Yeah, happy exactly. to see Monica get her powers. Mm-hmm. 
you know, which makes her one of the more, depending on what power level they give her, because they do kind of nerf. Um, I hate to use that video game term, but they do kind of nerf a lot of the powers in the MCU. Right. You know, not that they didn't try to nerf her powers in the in the Marvel universe itself, they but they, uh, you know, but but they definitely, you know, they, it depends on what they write into the show um, and into the MCU about what her power level will be, mm-hmm. because she will be a welcome addition to any Avengers roster. Hell yeah. One of my favorites, definitely. Now, we so, don't know if we're going to get her uh, breaking electric, uh, I mean, breaking down equipment as she did in her origin from Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16. I doubt mm-hmm. that kind of seriously at this point, but that'd be a bummer. <laughs> but it would be nice to see her, you know, because essentially essentially, what she she can do at her top level was... You know, take out starships the same. You know, not not the not the same way that Captain Marvel does it in the in Endgame. Oh, and actually, know, even, even better. Them, but literally blowing them up from outside. Right. Actually, you know? yeah. As of like Ultimates, uh, the last Ultimates with that uh, Ash, uh, Al Ewing's, she was almost godlike. But they nerfed her after that at the end of that, which I hate it. Right. Yeah. They like extended. Right. They extended her power set a little bit. Right. A lot. <laughs> well, no, I mean from where they had brought her back you know, from her original one where she had kind of depleted it during um, that Avengers run. Right. But they pretty much made it to where it's like, nah, she's pretty much godlike and can't, all, pretty much can't die. But then they, and like I said, at the end of the series, they was like, they kind of, they dialed her back to a, gotcha. a, a gotcha. good gotcha. extent. Gotcha. All right. Um, so that's that. I'm just looking to see you know if you if you want to cover these observations and WTF questions, it's fine. I don't see anything here that I would have wanted to discuss other than you know Hayward, this dude from Sword who's really just trying to kill Wanda. Yeah, well, there was the there was the file called what Project Cataract or whatever that this thing mentions. Right. Yeah, that's something, and that seems like it has something to do with the, the tracking of vision or whatever the case may be. Um, there was also a reference to, um, uh, yeah, this, this thing kind of, I'm not crazy about the way this recap is going, but I, at least they did some of the, some stuff, but, um, the kick-ass was brought up by, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Billy and, um, and Wanda kind of reiterated it, which as folks know, uh, Aaron Taylor, Taylor Thomas and Evan, both Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Thomas were in that movie. Aaron Taylor, Taylor Thomas played the, the title Aaron character. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Taylor Johnson, excuse me. I don't know where I get that from. I was about to say, you're thinking of the home the, the home improvement game. Yeah, I know, right? Which is so I'm not even trying to th- trying to think about. But um, um, but yeah, so they were in Kick-Ass, and obviously that's the reference to Kick-Ass, and probably right. has nothing to do with that being that that movie being anywhere near the universe because it was not. So it I kind of I kind of laughed at that though. A reference, you know. Yeah. So, but that's pretty much it for episode six. Well, some people, uh, some, well, some people made uh was talking. I think I saw one video talking about um that tattoo that he had. Uh, and some someone I remember seeing something that said, or I was watching a video that said that might have been a reference to House of M, but apparently, according to this, that says Mom, and that's his real tag. Right. Exactly, which is lame. Yeah. So people people read into anything, but they're looking for any clues, man, which what, is great. Even in this article, because they even talk about yeah, they even talk about it's a reference to the next to, to the Doctor Strange movie. Uh, uh... 
That's so funny. Uh, but outside of so, that, yeah. Yeah, and the and the writer I was about to say and the writer of this uh has gotta be a little bit of a, a younger vintage because the episode reminded the writer of how much they missed the sitcoms of the nineties and two thousands. I'm like, yo, we're already outside of my sitcom appreciating age at that point. I know, right? Yeah, like yeah, we had a couple of decades under our like a few more decades. Um right. Yeah. So, but with that said, uh, that's it. You know, that that's that's it for our discussion on One Division episode six. Episode seven is right around the corner and as of the date and time of this recording. And Jimmy Wu was actually quite effective when uh, when that. Was, why didn't somebody tell me the plan when that whole thing came down? I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, let's see more of that. Yes, yes, that was very that was very cool to see. Like, listen, Jimmy's an FBI agent. He's not one of the the, the, bump, the you know he's not always a bumbling agent. You know, right. oh, um, I mean, he, he never was. He's just like he has a comic, yeah, just kind of had comic bent to him, right? Oh yeah, and then of course there's the the there's the um, the uh, theory that Reed Richards is probably who who Monica is going to meet. I don't think so. I kind of part of me kind of thinks it's, it's Scott Lang. Is he an aerospace engineer, though? I mean, was he ever? But, I mean, he... he at the end, I, if I recall, when they were kind of sort of hinting to him kind of learning the trade with when he was messing with... Uh, when he was uh, working with Hank Pym and, and them at the end of... Well, not in... During the course of Ant-Man and Wasp and all of that. Or it was very loose. I'm not saying it was like a direct, like, hey, he was in the trenches doing this and that and the other. But I felt like it was kind of intonated. And, I'm, and it obviously, it's me pretty much going more off of his comic you know side where he actually did study to be an engineer you know right. uh at that but i'm not saying it was a, it, was, it was a you know i'm, I'm saying i mean was, i've heard i've heard all sorts of mcu uh related theories mm-hmm. i've heard rocket i've heard um Why would she have come across rocket i mean well okay as a member of sword. sword yeah sure sure as a member of sword because have this isn't been? i mean this is it's tough because this is supposed to be in the wake of Endgame, and she got blipped. Right. Right? So she really hasn't had a lot of right. time to interact with someone like Rocket, which... And which Exactly. You know, she came back after the fact that everybody was pretty much gone. Or the Guardians that, would have been gone, as far as we know. Well, what I was going to say is we don't know that particular ending timeline either. Mm. You know, like, we don't know... We don't know how much... Um, uh, interaction she would have with him, uh, given the fact that they were flying off in space at the end of Endgame with Thor. Mm. Um, you know, there's always, you know, the theory, well, another theory was it would be one of her little scroll friends um, who would be up on the peak. Uh, oh, the you know, I've heard dude. lots of them. Yeah, the science dude, maybe from, uh, yep. I, I just rewatched uh, Captain Marvel recently. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. yep. But, I don't know. See, here's the thing, because I've I've actually been thinking about that part, and we can go on after this because I know we just you know we got time. Uh, why not? You know, we, it's, you know, we got more to do. Um, but she blipped. Uh, it's been five years. Okay, so her mom in Maria died two years in, and then three years later, that's when everybody got brought back. Presumably. At the time when everybody got brought back, was the direct time, possibly around or you know was around the time that she came back in Wandavision. 
So I can't say so why we don't know necessarily the time frame of when she was at the hospital to when she met up with Sword. I kind of doubt she would have had because I feel like by that time the battle was long gone and everybody was gone and she just kind of getting like, hey, here's what happened from what intel they got. So I kind of doubt that she would have interacted with with uh, any of the guardians around that time because I think they probably. Right. Would have I mean, I doubt it too, but I've heard the theory. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, and there is always email from from raccoons, so <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I mean, but, but that's the other thing. Like, have they been back to Earth? Like, we don't know. And yeah, I guess so. There is there is space there, email. There and... emails. Yeah, there's space emails which we know are part of canon yeah. in the MCU. So, but yeah, I mean, my hope. I honestly would. I would love the fact. That they would back door the 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 introduction of the FF into this, just under everybody's nose, and it would just blow everyone's mind. I don't think they would do it here. I think they would wait for Doctor Strange to do it. We will see. We have three episodes to find out. Right. Like it does make sense if that is the case, but I feel like why? And I'm not saying waste it, but why would they? Why would they do it here when they got Doctor Strange and you know? make it a bigger affair for the FF, you know? Why would it be bigger there? Because it would be more than likely if they don't do, if they don't introduce mutants properly here, which we don't have, which I, I suspect they're probably making lengths to do, um, which it would also still be on that same lines, the, the better place for it would be in Doctor Strange, because then it would be like, because it, it wouldn't necessarily be, well, it would be bigger in the fact that, like, hey, all these multiverses are collapsing on each other if they do something like that, and then, hey, we have reports for this family who went into space, you know, who just, now granted, yeah, they seem to be setting up the fact that the space fight up here is kind of, but by the fact that they already said, hey, we had some astronauts to disappear. Right. So yeah, they, they, that it's it's definitely doing the legwork to do that here. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I feel like it would be uh, it would be something they would do in in Doctor Strange. I have no. I'm willing to wait. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm not willing to discount any theory that's not completely discountable. <laughs> right. And well, see, that was what I was going to say know, earlier because everything is on the table until it's not. Right. You know, like unless it's completely discountable. Uh, you know, like completely just, you know, nuts. Uh, we just kind of have to keep it, uh, you know, we have to keep it under consideration. So, but anyway, that is our WandaVision discussion. You're up next. Indeed. Uh, blah, blah, blah. let me put, push back to the news here. And get rid of that one. Hawkeye is Haley Stein, Steinfeld. I'm going to assume that's how it is. Steinfeld. Yeah. Uh, shows off Kate Bishop's quiver. So apparently there are uh, set photos from from the Hawkeye show giving a glimpse at um, uh, Haley Steinfeld's character, Kate Bishop, with her trademark quiver and bows. Uh, you can see, if you're watching the video, the uh, the tweet that she uh, put out from it. It's cute. She's in a, looks like in the back of a car or something. And she's like, um, looks like she's half asleep and she's got the quiver right there. And yeah, and she's dressed in her presumable Hawkeye gear. So there you go. That's that. And I think there's been an, another one that I don't know that was probably referenced in another article, but we don't necessarily have to go into that. Um, yeah, there's that. Next. All righty, next up. So I guess this is an opinion piece. Pretty much. 
that Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes deserves a Disney Plus revival. I agree with this. I totally that's uh, why I put it here. I totally two, agree. Right. The cartoon was canceled far too soon, but the success of Disney Plus provides the perfect opportunity to revive the series. This was a Disney XD show Mm -hmm. and, you know, giving uh, this cartoon a platform on Disney Plus, which which one it already has in two. But giving it um, uh, that kind of level of support on the on on the Disney Plus platform, I think, is warranted and would really benefit it. So I think it would um, it would definitely be a plus no pun intended for Disney. Yeah, it got two solid seasons, and it went farther than I remember it going when 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 I watched it. I'm probably going to rewatch it again. In fact, I kind of already started. Un, you know, not unintentionally. What? Did you finish Clone Wars yet? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. You're not kidding. I know you're not kidding. But hey, look, I'm on season six. I'm almost there, so it's, it's all it's fine. Um, so but. Um, Earth Mightiest Heroes came out. I love the hell out of uh, of that uh, of that show. Uh, Avengers Assemble is what it is, which was was the show that came after it. Um, it it's all right, but yeah, I would really love to see them revisit Earth Mightiest Heroes. They kind of went a lot of places though in during the course of those two seasons, and fairly quickly because they did like you know there was a bunch of Ultron stuff. They did Galactic Storm. Like, I'm not saying they don't have more stuff to go on, especially now. Um, right. But I would love to see that happening because I love that version of the show. Next up, Zendaya teases running from aliens in Spider-Man 3. Um, so Spider-Man 3 star Zendaya may have revealed an intergalactic new title uh, to detail excuse me, about the MCU movie. Uh, in a conversation with promising young woman star Carrie Mulligan for Variety, Zendaya seemed to confirm that extraterrestrials of some kind will play a role in the upcoming Spider-Man film, which, as we saw at the end of that last film, is pretty pretty confirmed. Well, at least confirmed as of them being around in you know in the, at the end of that movie, but in the, any interactions with anybody on Earth is. Mm-hmm. Outside of what already happened during the, during the course of that movie is what it is. Uh, these things go by fast. We still have a lot left to do, Zendaya says. It's like running from aliens and things you can't see. Uh, part of that is kind of fun. A lot of what we do is escapism, being able to play a teenager again. So, and obviously, this article she? she's early twenties, right? Twenties, yeah, early to mid twenties. Getting to play a teenager again. Come on, kid. I know, right? Which, you know... <laughs> I mean, look, as she looks... I mean, I don't know how old she actually... Let's look that up real quick. Um, I don't think she's... I think she's like she's 20 or 21. No, nah, I think she's... She's a little... Yeah, she's 24. I thought so. So she's a little... Oh, okay. Older than, yeah. Her, both her and Tom Holland are 24, which they both look way younger than... than um, right. Than they, uh, than they actually are, so... It's an easy mistake for anyone to make. Absolutely. Uh, but that being said, uh, let's see. That's that's pretty much that. And obviously, this article is taking that uh, running from aliens bit, you know, to to an extent. So, right. who's to say if the scrolls come back up? If if that's the case, because we know they showed up at the in that movie. So, next. Next up, the uh, Marvel Studios has gotten the rights to the film rights to the Punisher and Jessica Jones back from netflix so the two-year period where disney uh could not put out any uh 
shows with these characters in it has passed after the after Netflix canceled all of their Marvel titles. Um, the window has now closed, meaning Jessica Jones and Punisher as the last two characters and the related characters that were in their shows are now eligible to be used by Marvel Studios. Which, going back to... Yeah, definitely. Which now, apparently, this is a fairly new um, uh, thing to come up. As I said, with the She-Hulk thing a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was, we brought that up. Like, now they can actually use um, Patsy. But they apparently already have somebody cast for She-Hulk's best friend. So, that's... That's a, that's a little thing, but that's just something that was kind of interesting. We'll see. Yeah, and I know Patsy being the the friends kind of a later thing, and we don't know if this uh, whoever this best friend ends up being is also a later thing or not because we don't know where they're pulling from for for that show. Next up, though, uh, Ducktales Disney announces oversized series finale date, and some people were like, "Why?" <laughs> um. DuckTales may not consider to DuckTales may not continue for season four, but his cast still wanted to celebrate the three prior years of of the beloved animated series with a sing along for fans. Uh, ahead of DuckTales' ninety minute season three finale, which is funny because I think the, the beginning was uh, ninety minutes also. Uh, the cast including David Tennant, Danny Pudi, uh, Ben Schwartz, Bobby Monahan, Kate Macucci, excuse me. Bet Bennett and Tox Ola Gondoy, Gondoye and Paget Bruce, I apologize for butchering anybody's name. Got to do that. Not don't have to do that, but still. Gathered together once more virtually to sing the show's uh, iconic theme song as they did in the beginning. Uh, the final episode of DuckTales will air on Disney XD on March 15th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So there you go, folks. Doctor, I still have yet to see more than the first couple of issues. I know they did a lot with that show, including canonized pretty much the, the whole Disney afternoon. So who's to say there's going to be some more folks showing up at some with shows at some point? Next up. All right. Next up, uh, Hasbro has officially launched an official G.I. Joe YouTube channel, and it will include the complete full seasons of the animated shows G.I. Joe Renegades and G.I. Joe Sigma 6. The channel will also feature brand new content for Joe fans to enjoy. Cool. Boo! Both of those shows are garbage. Actually, wait, was it Sigma 6? No, Renegades was the one they were on the run. That was garbage. Sigma 6. <laughs> They're both silly. Either. Yeah, but, you the, know, neither one of them were great. We're not the tar- we're not the target audience for this. I mean, stuff. you're right, but still, boo. Actually, I will take this <laughs> note also to say that um so we talked about the Ghostbusters channel that had the pilot of the Ghostbusters, real, the real Ghostbusters specifically show cuz there was mm-hmm. another Ghostbusters show. Um they have added other episodes since then and they have even put the pilot and I believe a couple of episodes of the Extreme Ghostbusters on that channel. Uh, so if you are out there, you can check that out. Also, I've, I've noticed a couple of other, <laughs> I've also, um, noticed a, a couple of other channels bring up cause there's like a, a She-Ra channel, but that one's kind of coincided with the, the He-Man channels that's already up. And there's also a Brave Star channel. 
that has popped up. So there's a lot of cartoon channels that are showing episodes of the uh, of their respective shows propping up on YouTube more often than they were in the past. That's not bootlegged. I mean, that's still happening, but still, you know. <laughs> but there are more official channels that are doing that thing uh, more than not. So something to look out for if you're of a certain vintage and, and looking to check out some some um, some older cartoons. Hadn't seen the Gemini Holograms one yet, but who knows? Anything could happen. Next up. Mm-hmm. And shout out to the folks uh, coming through, uh, whether you're on YouTube and um, and uh, the Twitch channel. Appreciate you being here. If you've got questions, you know, let us know. Or anything. I was about to say, did you do this Transformers film one? I thought this was you. Uh, no, that's not me. I didn't do it. I just... No. I, just did the I was about to say, what were you just jibber-jabbering about? <laughs> Oh wait, no. This is that is me. I was just, okay. I don't jibber jabber. Um, oh, it's just I that was, I was just like listening. I was like, wait, is he talking about this story? No, I was one. I was talking about the GI Joe story. Uh, that and the Ghostbusters. You talking about Ghostbusters? Right. Yeah, and then yeah, I was talking yeah. about Ghostbusters and other cartoon channels that just cropped up uh, in the last few. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is you. So this is me. Yes. Um, uh, from there's a report that from the next Transformers film is eyeing a quote unquote. And this is funny as hell. Tessa Thompson like quote unquote lead, which I know I was talking to some people online about this and they had the same thing I said and saying like, they basically sounds like they can't afford Tessa Thompson. So that's why they're looking for a Tessa Thompson like uh, lead, which I don't know if she would do. I mean, obviously she did win in black, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So whether she would do it or not, who even knows? But it basically says here that uh, it's a report from some live-action movie blog that's indicating that the next Untitled Transformers movie is looking to cast a performer similar to Thompson with uh, examples including Ruth Negga, uh, Journey Smollett, and Zoe Kravitz. I don't think any of them would do it. I'll be brutally honest, especially Ruth Negga. So, I was about to say, these are actresses who are pretty... Uh... You know, they're, they're pretty accomplished. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, if they can't get Tessa Thompson, there's, I highly find it doubtly they're going to get none of those three. Oh, so, boy. Uh, but that's, but yeah, so that's that's that. And I know, you know, Tessa Thompson's kind of actually been busy lately with some, some things uh, in front of and behind the scenes. So, I, you know. I was about to say, she she's on Thor 4. So. I mean, outside, that's funny, outside of that, but she's also got some, apparently some yeah. other stuff kind of cooking. Like she's literally on set right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, next up. All right, Mortal Kombat. All right. Matter of fact, you could do the next one so, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was about to say motion. Uh, some some motion character posters revealed uh, for Kano and Sub Zero revealed the premiere date of February eighteenth, uh, Thursday, February eighteenth at twelve o'clock p.m. Eastern time for the new trailer. Mm-hmm. Which premiered. Um, so uh, you know we've got that uh, in hand now. I have not watched this trailer. Have you, Roddy Cat? I have. It's good. Matter of fact, I was uh, was on somebody's stream earlier this uh, the, earlier this morning, and when it dropped, and we were watching it there. And like I said before the show, they're 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 seem to be um they yeah they they're they're getting it right. Seem like quote-unquote right like it's this is not gonna be as well we don't we still don't know like the cast is, seems to be straight and the, the action that was definitely portrayed in the thing was uh was definitely mortal Kombat. this <laughs> is like there was blood and gore and, and fatalities and things going off and, and you know 
folks showing up. There's a couple of choices I'm still kind of about, but most of the cast, you know, seems cool and they're doing something cool with it. So you should definitely check out the the, the trailer. If you're a little squeamish, if you're, uh, well, I mean, obviously, you know, if you don't, you know, they say not safe for work, but I, I don't know, that depends. Like, there's no boobs or anything that show up in the thing that I remember, but there's definitely a lot of blood and, you know, things like of that nature that happen. But if if you're not don't care about Mortal Kombat, you don't care about watching this in the first place. So, yeah. uh, next up though, so because I know you said you don't really care that much about this movie. Is oh, that, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like you're not really. Eh. I'm not. I, I was never that much into the game to be honest. No. I was a Street Fighter guy. Sure. So Same. the movies never really, you know, uh, had any appeal to me, and I knew that. I mean, I made the mistake of watching the Street Fighter movie, <laughs> the yeah. live action Jean Claude Van Damme movie. We did a rewatch of that. Not not us uh, as as an Agent Seventy Five, but me and some some folks on online did that uh, as of a couple of months ago. I'm like, yeah, it's still it's still funny and still doesn't hold up. But yeah, we, I uh, mean, the only positive was Ming Na Wen as uh, as Chun Li. Oh, so totally. other than that, you know, yeah, it was straight cheese. Um, and I, yeah. I was, matter of fact, we were watching this trailer that I was like, yep, time for a rewatch of the, uh, both of the movies, Mortal Kombat movies, which the first one I, in my opinion is better than the second, but neither one of them were like great, great. They were just campy and cheesy. Gotcha. Next up, um, from the Fast and Furious corner, cause you know, we got to go here every now and then the Fast Saga may possibly bring back another franchise alum, which I think we may have joked about in the past. Um, so apparently, <laughs> yeah, apparently they, uh, if the last trailer that we talked about, what, last week or two, whatever it was, um, we see a shot of Twinkie played by Bow Wow, who seemed to be sitting at a backyard table with Dom and the rest of the crew, uh, in what is likely yet another barbecue. Uh, there is also someone who looks like him alongside Han and a bearded Sean indicating the Japanese crews back in full swing. So yeah. So apparently the Tokyo Drift crew, which I'm surprised they haven't brought back in properly before now, but probably didn't necessarily need to. Um, well, they brought, I was about to say they brought they they used film clips of Bow Wow. Well, yeah, but and they brought back Sean. Oh, did he did come uh, back for like a split second? Right, he came yeah. back. Yeah, he came back just for like a, a brief scene with Dom in that parking mm-hmm. lot after the after they they uh, they do the drifting in the parking lot. Right. So, but uh, but yeah, this might be more of a full fledged uh, appearance as opposed to that brief cameo. And shout out to the PSP by was holding. I don't know if that's from, if that was from was that from Tokyo Drift. Because I doubt if they would have one at this point. Anyway, that doesn't matter. That's that's something for me to decipher. But yeah, so you know, Fast Nine is coming. Fast and Furious. Um, <laughs> film will be here in May twenty eighth. I'm sorry, I had to make that dumbass joke. Still no uh, Gazelle, but we know you know Gal Gadot's doing bigger and better things. So unless they happen to surprise her at the end of this, also. Right. Because Han's back, and we need to put them to. Two, two crazy kids back together again. Right, because apparently nobody really dies in the Fast and Furious. It you know, in, you know, as long as it was in the movie, you know? Right, right. If they showed a body, then clearly, yeah, they're, they're, they're dead. But the people that ain't showed a body should probably still be around, which they didn't show Gazelle's body. Boom. Nope. Next up. Nope, 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 nope. nope. 
So next up, Aladdin's Jafar actor, the live action, uh, joins Black Adam in a mystery role. Um, Marwan Kanzari has been picked to play a mystery role in the upcoming DC Extended Universe film. This is uh, reported by The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Kanzari's role, as I said, is being kept under wraps. Wookie. Interesting. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I still still have yet to see that Shazam movie. Um, next up, though, HBO Max reportedly casting uh, uh, black person, people of color, uh, BIPOC, as, uh, as the, the acronym goes, Const- for, wait, Constantine for a new series. So basically could possibly get a black and or a, a, um, a not white um, Constantine for whatever this new show is going to be. Uh, and it says it's reportedly on the horizon for HBO Max, as I said about the other stuff. And this is coming from some um, probably gossip site. I don't know what this, this Illuminati place is, but whatever. Uh, they're partnering with J.J. Abrams' studio, Bad Robot, uh, on a Constantine show. This incarnation of the character will have a dark tone and heavy emphasis on horror rather than religious elements. Uh, notably, the show is currently looking to uh, to secure a BIPOC uh, performer in the mold of Riz Ahmed to take on the part of John Constantine. So we'll see how that goes. I'm still weirdly like... Uh, I. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan did actually a pretty good job. This is one of the few times I would say that. I'm, and I don't care. It doesn't really matter which way they kind of go with this Constantine show. But that other Constantine show that, that HBO, not HBO, NBC had on was actually not bad. And I wish they would continue. If they do anything, they continue on that front. But I doubt they will. Whoever they go with. Next up. Next up, Teen Titans Go! The animated series is getting a new spinoff bringing the young heroes back to the musical world of Night Begins to Shine. Cartoon Network and HBO Max announced that the hit animated series Teen Titans Go! will get a new spinoff series. The show will see the five teen heroes travel back to Night Night Begins to Shine, a music-filled land featured during the original series' run. Mm -hmm. A teaser of the upcoming animated collaborations between the two Warner Media companies offers a sneak peek at the show. Okay. The night begins to shine. Yeah, that was. I remember. I actually remember that. I think it was a like a five episode show, but I do remember it's it rarely seen one or two. It's the, it was the Dark Knight's Metal before Dark Knight's Metal. I dare say. Okay. Except for it's Teen Titans Go. So there you go. Next up, though, John Wesley shipped guest star on DC Star Girl as the Golden Age Flash. So Jay Garrick is going to star on or guest star on um. On on Supergirl, oh Supergirl, excuse me, Star Girl. Sorry. Um, as we know, John Wesley's ship is the original Flash from the '90s, who has also shown up and prominently on the Flash TV show. And I guess they're still doing the um, the crossing over thing um, within whatever universes. But it says here, um, Entertainment Weekly has exclusively learned that John Wesley's ship will guest star in season two of the of the CW's high school superhero drama. Uh, Ship will appear in episode nine, reprising his role as old school uh, speedster Jake Garrick from The Flash. Like I said, according to the official description, Jake Garrick plays a quote unquote 
plays a role in the pivotal flashback episode that established the Golden Age Flash as a member of Earth 2's Justice Society of America. Part of the CW, this miniature crossover will, quote, unquote, officially bring Stargirl's, uh, Star, Stargirl, Brett Bessinger, into CW's post-crisis CW-verse, along with every other show that they have. Um, y'all know the Arrowverse shows by now. So, they call it the CW-verse. I'm still calling it the, the Arrowverse show. Screw all of that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's cool. I have not caught up on. I actually have not seen any of Star Girl, um, uh, and I've not caught up on the rest of the Arrowverse shows. So and I, that was also another thing that I said I was going to do, but that's a lot. Friday <laughs> <laughs> Cat has a long list. Uh, that is a long list and a short memory. So there you go. Next up. Next up, Snoopy series showrunner reveals Peanuts Universe rules. The showrunner of Apple TV Plus's new The Snoopy Show revealed that there are rules for how the Peanuts Universe works and what those rules are. So, um, you know, Collider came out with a new interview with Snoopy Show showrunner Mark Eve Staff in which the writer slash executive producer reveals some of the, the rules show creators must follow within the Peanuts cinematic universe. And it all goes back to the original comic strip. I'm just going to give the first rule because there's a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain rules and certain things that Charles Schulz had when he was doing a strip. Eve Staff said one of the rules is that when Snoopy is in his fantasies, you can't see the bottom of the doghouse because of the idea that Snoopy doesn't actually go anywhere. That's a challenge, but also a nice idea to carry through, and we've certainly been faithful to that. That's that's pretty cool, you know. That uh, there's a uh, conceptual and philosophical things that they have to stick to. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. When I saw the article, I was like, yeah, that is actually pretty cool. And I, saw, and I was like, I would love to see. Like, I know we had they had put out like a Batman animated series like show Bible a long time ago that I think we still have somewhere. Yes, we do have it. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen it in there. And I, I like kind of like seeing stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to know that they kind of had something similar for the Peanuts gang. Uh, next up, though, um, Underworld star and, well, Underworld co-creator and star uh, Kevin Grievo, also comic writer in his own right, uh, is developing a film adaptation of the upcoming Assassin's War graphic novel King of Killers. Uh, so Grivo, who starred in Underworld, which I don't remember him being in, in that. But then again, I don't think I've seen enough of uh, Underworld to even know one way or the other. So anyway, uh, started in the in Underworld as the Werewolf Rays and also created Blue Marvel for Marvel Comics, which is how I know him, uh, mm-hmm. who will write and create, will write the screenplay and direct the story, which focuses on the hitman who has no choice but to enlist in a $10 million competition for the world's elite assassins in Tokyo in order to save his daughter's life. Sounds slightly familiar. Sure. But Hey, we'll, we'll give it a, we may give it a chance. We don't even know. Uh, Alan Moosey, uh, from kickboxer and jujitsu is tapped to star and admitted that he's hyped for the project. Uh, quote unquote, Kevin has a brilliant vision for the action and visual style of King of Killers and the first class King of Killers team is passionate about bringing that vision to life, he said. So cool. And there's some other people apparently they got cast in here, uh, but obviously things are being held uh, um, because of COVID. They're shooting in COVID. I mean, they're shooting in Tokyo since the COVID uh, pandemic has begun since they're you know, rules are a little more strict than what has been here in the States. 
Next up. Oh, we're going to transition over to the comic book news. Yeah, do it. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Uh, Repop Press lays out plans for PAX Comic-Con events for 2021. So Repop President Lance Finsterman laid out the company's plans uh, for 2021 events, including scheduled for PAX and comic conventions in a post on LinkedIn. You know, that's where you go for that stuff. His post addressed some of the lessons learned from the challenges Repop faced in 2020 and how online components will play a new role in how conventions are run in the future. Shout out to all my folks going to BlurCon, which I won't be able to go and I'm be mad because I'm missing out, but that's fine. Uh, Finsterman commented, I'm not bitter at all. Finsterman commented on some of the most difficult moments of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, for Repop, which we probably won't go into the whole thing, but we'll definitely skip to the part where he says that there are live events on the schedule that he posted um, for June uh and beyond going to December and those of which being the pack stuff, crunchy rolls, exam, Supercon, uh, New York comic con and, and Emerald city and C2E2. Right. So it sounds like, cause I know I just saw, I think it's in, it, it is, in, well, it's the next, uh, the next, uh, article we're talking about. Cause I know San Diego, uh, matter of fact, we'll go ahead and get into that. So go ahead and hit, hit that one. So San Diego Comic-Con has canceled in-person WonderCon for 2021, but plans for an in-person Comic-Con International San Diego are still underway. So, uh, you know, they had hoped by now that uh, COVID-19 might have subsided enough so that we could go, uh, that they, that people could come together in person for a traditional WonderCon event, but unfortunately not. WonderCon 2021 is now going to be an online convention like last year, scheduled to take place March 26th and 27th. Yeah, that's a shame. But yeah, March is obviously a little too soon for anything possibly coming through, uh, coming to fruition as a live in-person event. Yep. Um, So yeah, and some of those, uh, from that, going back to that last article, some of those... um, some of those uh, conventions at this point are still purported to be on track to when they, some of the ones later in the year obviously are purported to still continue as uh, they are. Right. San Diego is actually, uh, is scheduled for July 21st through Mm -hmm. July 25th. Um, obviously the facility still remains in use as a, uh, uh, for COVID-19 patients. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, they are currently scheduled to resume public convention events at the end of April. So we will see where how this all plays out. We just have to be very patient with the convention schedule this year. And for God's sake, where you goddamn asking? Don't go nowhere if you ain't got to. Jesus Christ, people. Um, <laughs> Toph goes solo in new Avatar: The Last Airbender graphic. I was about to say I'm part of the choir on this one. So yeah. Wait, what do you mean? I'm part of the choir. I wear my ma- I wear my I double mask and don't go with, uh, to many places. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh. Same here. So you, you've got sense. And, you know, there are people with sense out there, just not enough to kind of help things along, apparently. Um, but, yeah, Toph goes solo in New Avatar, the last ever in a graphic novel, which actually came out this week and I didn't get a chance to check out. And I don't think we actually had it in the first place, now that I think about it, and I shouldn't be showing that. Um... But yeah, so Faith Aaron Hicks, oh, well, it says here, uh, Return to the World of Avatar the Last Bender, 
Last Airbender in another incontinuity comic book adventure this month, this time focusing on Toph and her Metal Bingate Academy. None of this is known to Agent 70, which I hope he ends up watching at some point, because I, I really would like to think, I really li- would like to know what he thinks about Avatar. No pressure. Um, and I know he also has a long anime list to go, to, to go through, which is technically not, is and is not this. Uh, but following up from the last uh, from Avatar: Last Airbender, Last Airbender, Katara and the Pirate Silver writer Faith Aaron Hicks and artist Peter Wartman are back here with um, the aforementioned Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy. Uh, in this new OGN, Toph is bored by the day-to-day routine of teaching and is looking forward to more adventures, which leads her to an underground bending fight ring. Which fans of Avatar would know that she, I think, that's how we came across her. <laughs> I love Toph, so I will. I would probably check this out if we got a copy of it, or maybe even get a copy. I don't even know, but um, but Toph is pretty much one of my favorite characters in uh, in the Avatar, so that is cool. And I think the rest of the article is a, an interview with Faith Aaron Hicks. So check that out as your leisure in the show notes, if you so please. Next, next up. Uh, Star Trek's new browser game will let you fail the Kobayashi Maru <laughs> test as many times as you want. And it's supposed to be, and, and you're probably going to fail a lot. Mm. CBS has announced a partnership with Scopely, who already make the Star Trek Fleet Command game for mobile platforms. To release Star Trek Kobayashi Maru, a retro-stylized decision-making game that puts you in the hot seat as a Starfleet cadet preparing to take the Academy's most infamous command track test, the Kobayashi Maru. In Star Trek lore, as you all should know, the quote, no-win scenario, unquote, test sees cadets commanding a Starfleet vessel as it comes across a distress signal from the Kobayashi Maru, a damaged civilian freighter that finds itself adrift in Klingon territory. It's meant to humble potential captains with the idea that not every situation they will encounter aboard a Starfleet vessel has a positive outcome, that sometimes hard decisions will be made and lives lost because there is no magically right answer. That is, unless you're James Tiberius Kirk, and the magically right answer is to hack the test program and cheat your way to victory in protest. I've read magically as cheated, but yes. Um, so one thing to note about this thing is that I tried this, or well, I tried to try this thing out, but you apparently have to log into Facebook to uh, once you get, uh, once you get, well, once you get to the page. In fact, here, I can bring up the page. No, I cannot. I'm sorry. Wait, where the heck is it? Oh, for crime's sake. There's a link to it <laughs> in the thing. It doesn't really matter. But it's, it, I mean, the, it's a good looking page. Oh, here it is. Um, so, yeah, you can continue, but you got to log into, um, log into Facebook. And that's not going to happen, friends. So go for it yourself. If you actually win the the uh, Kobayashi, if you go through the Kobayashi Maru and win it, I believe there's actually a prize. Uh, this thing says of like a lifetime subscription to CBS All, All Access, which is about to become Paramount Plus. So if that's worth it to you, go for it. Next up, that's though, funny. yeah, no, I saw that. I was like, yeah, that's kind of neat, but I mean, is it worth it? Um. 
But uh, Hasbro discontinues the Mandalorian's Cara Dune action figures. <laughs> Always with the timely uh, audio cues. Appreciate that. <laughs> so Hasbro has announced that they have no plans to make more Cara Dune figures for the Mandalorian, which means the ones that are out there are collectors items and probably going up for eBay to some idiot for high bids. Um... Well, actually, somebody that I know there's. I think I've seen some comic writer of of uh, said they pretty much after this article came out was like, yeah, I bought mine when in better days when we, when the character was cool. <laughs> so, um, but as folks know at this point, Jenna Carano got fired, thankfully, from the Disney's uh, Mandalorian, and probably will never see any uh, Lucasfilm work ever again. Um, and great, so. Yeah, there you go. That's that. Next up. Uh, next up. So apparently uh, there's a interesting Mr. Negative detail in the Miles Morales video game. Um, uh, Reddit user that juh pointed out something interesting about the game's villain, Mr. Negative, that seems to have gone unnoticed until now. Um Basically, when Martin Lee takes his villainous form and becomes Mr. Negative, his reflection is still that of the regular Martin Lee, with players still waiting on news of the Spider-Man 2 game, the chance to see Martin Lee's reflection and decide whether it's a purposeful detail for themselves might convince some to take the first Spider-Man game out for another swing. Or it just could be a glitch. So, you know, I leave it for you to decide, video gamers. Mm, it's probably not. They've, this is not the first time they've done a reflection thing because they, they famously did, well, I say famously, but they, they did put a um, basically a memorial to the Twin Towers in the game and a reflection in, off one of the buildings, which was weird to see, but also kind of cool. Um, so, so, like I said, no, no, they, they've done something similar to that in the past, but in this, I, you know, who knows if it's a, a glitch or not. I kind of doubt it. Predator hunts Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, and more in May variant covers. So we all know that Aliens and Predator um, are are now licensed under um, Marvel. So here's one of the first parting shots in the form of variant covers from various um, uh, comics. We have Amazing Spider-Man here. I'm showing the the, uh, covers that we have. I see. Actually, wait, which one? One of the covers, because I don't see where the. Oh, here we go. Slideshow, folks. Fantastic Four, uh, Spider Woman, which was shown above, uh, The Mighty Valkyrie, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Miles Morales Spider Man. All have covers with the, with the, the Predator on the, uh, on the cover in some way, shape, or fashion. There you go. Next. Next up, uh, teaser art for the Fantastic Four's 60th anniversary features a surprise wedding for antagonist Dr. Doom later in the year with Reed Richards as Doom's best man. The future of the Fantastic Four begins in May 2021, reads the tagline at the bottom of the teaser art by Valerio Schiti and Marte Gracia. The identity of the woman Dr. Doom is marrying is hidden under a veil as Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, the Human Torch thing, Alicia, Namor, and Black Panther stand in the background observing the festivities. I got a kick out of seeing this. I I, I kind of laughed. Right. I was just like, that's that's just that's just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know if... Um, 
Wait. Um, does, yeah, other Total Carriers from the... Yeah, so shout out to Tim for this. Uh, but I was thinking that that's Victorious. Um, but it says, according to what Tim says here, other Total Carriers from the teaser art include King of the Conqueror and Scarlet Centurion, the new threat, Cormorant. Uh, Victorious is in here somewhere that I don't... Oh, yeah, she does show up right there. But that still doesn't necessarily mean that it could be her. Right. But... Um, cause you, there's, cause the thing is in also one of the, um, the, she, the thing is in two different places. So mm-hmm. in, in this, in this teaser art and Black Panther's there and Namor is there, you know, obviously, you know, being a head of state, there's things they handle. Um, but yeah, I'm still on the fin- I'm still saying that's probably victorious. He's going to matter. Cause especially the, with the stuff that happened. Did you finish Dr. Doom? The... I did. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm, I'm, I'm at with that. I can't imagine who else it would be at this point. Cause shout out to at Tim dog 98 for, uh, this article. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Next up though. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, black widow gets a new costume, a new mission. Uh, we didn't necessarily talk about this part when we talked about uh, black widow. Right. Five. We left this part out because this was like at the very end and not, I don't think we wanted to spoil it. <laughs> Right, but we'll just basically say that. Well, we we already pretty much said that. You know, we know that the the series is going to keep going, and we did mention the fact that there's going to be a new arc. Uh, and we what we neglected to mention that at the end of that uh, issue that yeah, she does she is seen in a new suit, and seemingly has a new mission uh, that she's going to embark on, which we do not know what it is uh, at this point, but we'll we'll find out shortly. So there you go. Next. Uh, Despite an absence from Marvel's April 2021 solicitations, the publisher's X-Men and X-Factor titles will definitively return in May. Marvel is now showing off the covers of both issues, each of which hint at potential big developments as Marvel's X-Men line continues into the post-X of Swords Reign of X era. Okay. Cool. Yeah, sometimes because yeah, sometimes we look at the solicits, which uh, we we have we did mention this earlier, but uh, May twenty twenty one solicits are out for various companies, including Marvel and DC, and I believe Image or IDW. One of them is, but it's in the show notes. One of the ones that we got on hand, and whatever I think I did last week, which may be a double dip on that one of them. Uh, so yeah, so a lot some of the stuff ends up coming from there. New X Men's Lost Future is even darker than Powers of X. So, let's see, the X-Men have encountered numerous potential features over the years, and many of them taking the Marvel Universe into strange, dark directions. One of the most striking, though, only appeared for a few issues uh, before the power of the Phoenix Force reversed it. Uh, but it does have some similarities with one of the most recent dark timelines glimpsed by the X-Men. Uh, and apparently this article is taking a look at the storyline called Here Comes Tomorrow from New X-Men uh, 151 to 154 by Grant Morrison, Mark Silvestri, Steve, Joe Weems, and other folks. Uh, and how this world could be seen as a dark portent of the features revealed in Jonathan Hickman's Pepper, uh, Pepper Larez, Marta Gracia, and Clayton Cowles' Powers of X. Um... I am not aware of this, but this, the article kind of goes into what what the crux of Here Comes Tomorrow is, and mm-hmm. I won't go into this, but apparently uh, a, a character that I know from X-Men Origins Wolverine shows up, 
which that's a weird way to, 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 to do that. But nevertheless, whatever. There you go, folks. That's there. You can read that in show notes. Next up. All righty. Next up, uh, Marvel Comics bills Reptile as its next biggest hero. Okay. Oh, wait. Marvel is... Pres- what, did I skip one? Uh, no, I might not have. I might have. I don't know if I can... Um, did I reverse that? Uh, you keep going. If, if you did skip it, then I'll get to the next one. No, I was about to say, you did Lost Future is even darker, right? Uh, yes, but I think... Yeah, so the next one I have is Marvel Comics Bill's Reptile, unless I, I need know, to but No, but I have... Um, I think I might have missed that one when I when I did the thing, so keep going. You're good. All right, Marvel good. Comics Bill's Reptile as its next biggest hero. Um... Marvel's positioning the young Mexican-American superhero who can turn into dinosaurs as its next star. Um... He is a former Avengers Academy student, and Marvel plans to bring him to prominence in May in his first solo limited series, with the publisher billing the dinosaur shapeshifter, as I said, as its next biggest hero. Writer Terry Blas of Hotel Dare and Deadweight Murder at Camp Bloom will make his Marvel Comics debut on the four-issue limited series alongside artist Enid Balam of Omni and will explore Reptile's secret past as well as his exciting future and will celebrate his Mexican-American heritage. In the wake of Kamala's law and his grandfather's worsening health, Humberto Lopez, a.k.a. Reptile, has taken a step back from crime fighting to refocus on his family, reads Marvel's official announcement of Reptile number one. Okay. Sure. I I wasn't fully aware of who this was. I thought this was a mutant part first it's not then i thought it was in a human it is not and apparently this this person got their powers from other means so mm-hmm. magic yes so there you go uh next up though news that both uh, agent 70 and i um have well one we knew about but still excited about um shang chi fights the marvel universe before his movie debut so basically shang chi is um it's going to get an ongoing series, which we've talked about in the past, the, the potential of. So, let's see, following last year's limited series that focused on Masters uh what was it? It wasn't last year. It was this year. Regardless, anyway. Um, no, was, I was about to say, it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't it start at, uh, you know, in 2020 and finish up in 2021? I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's still the crux of this year, because I think it's like late last year's when it started like the the anyway it was just semantics it doesn't matter like no, it, I, was, I was about to say i'm like i'm like we're only in february dude <laughs> i mean look this has been a long year already all right you know this saying, i know it's this literally february 18th going into the 19th and we're talking about literally semantics like this is last year. Well, technically, it was last year. I mean, look, it's been a long year. Time is <laughs> a construct. Don't don't do this. Don't do this. Regardless, that's um, so funny. It just ended. Um, regardless, um, but yeah. So, you know, we talked about the slight low at last week or whatever it was. Um, but regardless, uh, there's going to be a new series uh, simply titled Shang-Chi. focuses on an eponymous hero's quest to turn the sometimes villainous five-weapon society into heroes, and it will put him at odds with the larger Marvel Universe. Quote-unquote, after the events of his latest series, Shang-Chi has finally taken his place as the leader of the five-weapon society, but using an evil secret organization as a force for good won't be easy. We know that from when Bobby DeCosta took over AIM. 
just saying, similarities, reads the Marvel's official description of the new Shang-Chi title. Do we have uh, a creative team? I think they're reuniting DK Ruan and... Gene Luen. Okay, yeah. Yang, yeah. You're correct. You are correct. I didn't see that. I was above and not below. Uh, and it looks like, let's see, it's going to come out May 19th, the first issue of this. So, and it's, as this article says, it is just ahead of uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings movie, which is uh, still scheduled for July 9th at this point. So cool. And we have we were fans of that uh, the series, um, so I'm glad. And we like I said, we knew the possibility of this happening, but you know, you never know with with uh, right. comics these days. Right. So it's won't believe it until we see it. One of those types of things. I believe we actually said those extra words. <laughs> so next up, that's what it comes down to. All right, mm-hmm. next up, uh, meet the original Hulk in a Marvel May special. So step aside, Bruce Banner, and meet the original Hulk, quote-unquote. You may think that Bruce was the original first Hulk, but now Marvel Comics has revealed there was another. In May 19th, Immortal Hulk, Time of Monsters, a flashback story to 8000 BC, reveals a young boy who becomes the Hulk, a character Marvel is calling the original Hulk. Um, 10,000 years ago, something green and glowing comes to poison the ancient ground of the Fertile Crescent and the hearts of its people, reads Marvel's description of this one-shot from the May 2021 solicitations. One boy is left to bear the consequences and for the first time to open the green door. And this is touching upon a concept that was introduced in The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing. Um, And uh, what's interesting about this uh, one-shot is that... um, it's written by Alex Pacnadel, but it's co-plotted with Al Ewing, mm-hmm. with art by Juan Ferreira. So you know that Al Ewing had some input into this concept. So I'm, I'm curious about whether or not I want to pull this because I'm interested in pulling Immortal Hulk stuff that Al Ewing has a hand in. Which he did. Because... What's that? Which technically he does, because they, obviously, right. you know, him being the shepherd of the uh, Immortal Hulk stuff, like, yeah, yeah he's probably plot out some things and letting uh letting the writer go fill in the blanks or whatever the case may be right or at least yeah giving them the boundaries that they can play in because you know i wondered that about this week's uh, immortal hulk flatline mm-hmm. uh, one shot that's written and drawn by declan shelby mm-hmm. who's an excellent you know who's an excellent creative person yes. but uh, i'm not sure if I, i'm you know i've read it i'm not so sure it's required reading for uh people who are fans of uh the immortal hulk right but we'll see if this one becomes uh more important and there's been a lot of stuff that's well there's been a, a a couple of side things that we can fit possibly fit in that category i would also probably put maestro in that category which has nothing to do not necessarily nothing directly to do with immortal hulk i'm just saying just right some i mean side stuff oh you mean in, in like impossible relation to right yeah i mean i read that more as a direct continuation of Hulk Future Imperfect, which mm-hmm. Roddy Cap probably still hasn't read because <laughs> he's got right. a long list. Yeah, you know, it's two issues. That's a lot of pages. I'm just kidding. Um, worth noting, though, from this from this other one shot that we were talking about initially, that uh, it's a 40 page one shot, and it will come up with a backstory, a backup story, excuse me, by new Marvel writer David Vaughn and an unannounced artist. 
Uh, and apparently Bruce Banner faces a challenge unlike he's uh, unlike any he's seen before in this story. So we'll see. We'll we'll let you know how that is when we get to that point. Uh, next up, though, uh, Def Jam and Marvel team for special Black Panther stories leading to the series finale. Uh, Def Jam Recordings Marvel Comics announces announced a an upcoming collaboration designed to quote integrate the voices of young black creatives with one of the most transformative characters and storylines in graphic arts history, Black Panther. End quote. Uh, in February 24th, uh, Black Panther 23, Marvel and Jeff Jam celebrate Black History Month with South Central uh, Los Angeles singer songwriter Saint Bodie. I'm sorry. I don't know. I was waiting for a who there. <laughs> Saint Bodie. I don't know who that is. But uh, uh, L.A. singer songwriter Saint. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, I'll throw the who in. I mean, I thought maybe you might. I thought maybe you were like kind of teasing that you knew who this person was. I have no Ooh. clue. Yeah, I have no clue. I feel like I've seen that name somewhere before, but I couldn't tell you oh, in what contest or what they did, you know? Mm-hmm. But they are joined by co-writer Danny Lore, artist um, Aletha Martinez, and colorist Rachelle Rosenberg, uh, sharing her take on Storm for, quote-unquote, uh, an emotional story grounded in tragedy and acceptance. Uh, Buddy's debut store will also be included in Marvel Legacy Number One, uh, a celebration of Black voices and artists on sale the same day. Um, which part of me thought it came out this week, the way I heard people talking about it. But cool. Uh, in March, in March's Black Panther Twenty Four, Dallas native rapper Bobby Sessions, I have no idea who that is either, tells a story about Black Panther himself. Uh, and in the series finale, issue 25, uh, in April, Toxic R&B artist, this is the, the, the writer's words, uh, Cash Page will forge a tale about Wakandan Princess Shuri and uh, the power of knowledge. About Shuri and the power of knowledge. I don't know who any of these people are, but apparently you can get right, again, you can write for Marvel if you, you know, I know, I know. He's saying it again, folks. Why are you keep going on that, Roddy? Don't don't worry about it. Keep going. Anyway, I'm still gonna read it. I don't know. Wait, now, so I don't know if it says it's like, oh, these are the full stories, or because it's basically Tanahee's coach just not writing anything on these ones, according to this. So basically, the last three ish- issues of Black Panther will not even be written by him, which kind of sucks. Unless there's going to be another episode or one after that, because I think it said they did say it was going to end in 25. I don't remember. It ends at 25. I mean, I don't know if this article says that these are supposed to be backup stories or not. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was looking for. Uh, I, don't I think it's that. a special stories in the last three issues. Uh, I don't think they would take up the entire book with these. I would be uh, highly upset if that were the case. You know, I'm 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 fairly certain. Yeah. Because because you can you know and 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 obviously the article isn't conclusive with this regard, but it says in the series finale, um, toxic R and B artist Kosh Page will forge a right. tale about Wakandan Princess Shuri and the power of knowledge. You would think that um, Coates is going to have the primary story right, in the last be, right. Book. That's going to be a bigger so, issue. 
than just right. that has that story in it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would I mean, like to believe. A, you know what? I was about to say. You know what? You need to see. It actually confirms it without uh, being explicit, but it it seems to say um, that that image that's right in the middle. It says a three month short story special right. celebrating. Okay. So sure. they're, they're, I think it's implied that they're backups. Right. So sure. I mean, in our in our parlance. It's backup story. That makes sense. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like I so said, before seeing that, I was like, well, wait a minute, because this article up until then wasn't necessarily saying that much about that. Right. Um, up until you see that. So probably if I had read a little bit more to that part. I just, think, I just think it's funny that in our parlance, they would be backup stories, but right. they want to be as generous as possible with these new comic book creators so they call them short stories right so i guess good on them though so we'll see how good those things are when they come about next up next up all right uh marvel skips a bunch of titles in may uh i i saw this i noticed this and i think roddy cat and i were talking about this even before i i I just skimmed this article Mm -hmm. because uh, marvel has a lot planned in may 2021 from the solicitations but there's also uh several conspicuous absences from uh the list several key ongoing monthly titles including captain america thor excalibur captain marvel iron man savage avengers and avengers have no issues planned for the month of may um we can presume that the absence of a May Avengers issue might be because of the Heroes Reborn event, which is obviously spinning out of the Avengers series. Mm-hmm. The absence of the other titles raises some questions, especially when other titles overlapping with Heroes Reborn, such as Amazing Spidey, are continuing in May unabated. That said, Iron Man writer Christopher Cantwell states on Twitter that the reason for the Avengers titles' absence, including Iron Man, are indeed due to the advent of Heroes Reborn, which may mean the titles could also be absent in June as Heroes Reborn 2021 continues and of course that doesn't account for excalibur uh, yes. being absent from the schedule um so you know we'll just uh, keep our ears to the ground and figure out and, and and let you know if there's any more news on this folks but also of note um amazing spider-man it says that is going to continue unabated and we do know that peter parker is going to be a part of heroes reborn mm-hmm so that is also weird. But, yeah, and that's kind of going like it is. And also Savage Avengers still around for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> the book that will Savage. never die. Savage Avengers. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, like don't get me wrong, I have been enjoying that book. It's a fun book, but I'm like, it's, it's, not, okay. We we thought it was going to end. like for, we, So whatever, it'll be here until it's not. I'm thinking about adding Heroes Reborn to my pull list, and maybe I'm going to get the Mark Bernardin uh, book, uh, the Peter Parker, the Amazing Shutterbug, mm-hmm. because it's a one-shot. Right. I'm going to check out this stuff, and part of me, I think we've talked about this uh, at the end of the last show, or at least one show previously about the stuff. I'm debating about going back and revisiting Heroes Reborn, and I do not want to do that. I don't want to touch it. Yeah. I, I didn't like it when I it first came like, out. I feel like I read through, I think, the FF stuff because Jim Lee was doing the art. Mm-hmm. I stayed away from Cap and the Avengers like the plague because that was a, a Liefeld's field. Yeah. 
um, for a while. And I know that uh, some of the Wildstorm guys started to take up the slack on that because, of course, Liefeld couldn't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his studio couldn't keep up with it. Um, what was the other book? It was FF and... Um, Thor... Wait, are you talking about that's in... That's, that's... That was in Heroes Reborn. The original was reborn. That, oh, uh, I don't remember. Was it Thor? Was it Cap? It was Thor, Avengers, Iron Man? Cap, FF, and was it Iron Man? Was Iron Man? Did have, Iron Man have a book then? Iron Man. It was Iron Man. Yeah, you're correct. It was Iron Man. Yeah, you're correct. It was Iron Man. So those are the four main books mm-hmm. that got shunted over to the 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 former Image uh, companies uh, to work on. So yeah, it was Iron Man mm-hmm. because Portasio had Iron Man. Oh, okay. Whilst Portasio had Iron Man, I remember right. that. So, but yeah, like I said, I'm I'm debating it whether it's going to happen before this event happens, and, and where I go from, I, I will definitely be checking it out on, on the show in some way, shape, or form. So stay tuned. I mean the old, the old, the old, the new one, the, old, the new one, other. Oh, I mean, the, it's easy enough for us because of our review copies to to keep up with the um, the main series. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, I'll just know. be I will just be very curious to see if um, I'm going to be picking up any of these one shots at all. Right. So like I'm debating about the, the champions one. Um, yeah, that seems interesting. Yeah. And the, like you said, the, the Peter Parker one also, because I'm very kind of curious as how Jimmy Jimmy Olsen they're going to get with that, if, if at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but we'll see. It's interesting that the amazing issue that they cite in this article, number 65, is just going to go on without any mind to uh, Heroes Reborn. Right. Which, it's just continuing like, its regular story. Right. Which, again, like, we have stuff going on right now that hadn't been touched by that by, by King of Black. So that's not outside the realm of possibility, I mean, of, of you know, things that could happen. But I'm sure there there's also going to, at some point, touch... Right. I was about to say, I don't know if you have a story about this, but apparently the Spencer story involving Boomerang and Kingpin stuff is going to come to a head. There's going to be a one-shot special in May also. Oh, no, I don't have that, actually. I'll I'll pull it for next week if it's... it's... Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I was about to say, if there's an article on it, but there's definitely a book in the May solicitations Mm -hmm. that teases that they're going to kind of resolve. And I guess the solicitations for... uh, Because there's two issues of amazing that month i guess it's still going uh by month uh uh weekly that is okay right right so um there's two issues in in may and uh i guess we're finally going to get a resolution to um what's going on between boomerang spidey and the kingpin word all right um is this wait is this this is me right, yeah, because you just yeah. Um, untold Boba Fett and Han Solo story explored in new Marvel Comics Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. I was about to say, did you skip this Yahoo story? Did I skip the uh, newspaper I profile? Sure did I? Yeah, yeah, because that's right. Because I pulled that. I was going to say, just talk about. I was going to say, just talk about the Boba Fett, and I'll cover this newspaper one. All right, bet. Uh, Boba Fett didn't take Han Solo. Han Solo's uh, frozen in carbonite. Uh, I was about to say you did a Lando just now. Yeah, no. Because um, that's kind of funny because I have to correct myself sometimes when I do that. Like, God damn it, some. <laughs> um, At Colt 45. I know, right? <laughs> I heard um, you slip and then and then go with the, the, the regular pronunciation that most people use. I laughed when I heard it. Mm-hmm. 
Because weirdly enough, even reading, um, like reading issues of which, granted, they haven't really had that much um, interaction in the comics recently. You know, well, at least not directly. Eh, a little bit, but I still do that even when I read it in my head. So it's kind of crazy. But um, let's see. Boba Fett didn't take Han's uh, frozen in carbonite body directly to Cloud City, directly from Cloud City on Best Beach to Jabba the Hutt's palace on Tatooine. Uh, and for the first time, Marvel Comics will tell the story of what he did do in the World of the Bounty Hunters, a six-month crossover event in its Star Wars comic book line. Which, as a reminder, yes, it is canon. Uh, quote unquote, something had to happen in between that intervening time between uh, Empire and Jedi, and I was like, um, I would like to tell that story. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. Because now I'm sitting like, now I'm sitting here tripping. Did Han actually? Because, yeah, because this is after Empire, which means he's already frozen in carbonite. But I feel like I have seen Han in the pages of Star Wars, which is also taking place. At, you know what? I, I'll, I'll, I'll research that later. I'm not going to worry about that right now. But I was like, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm tripping. Anyway, so there's going to be a crossover, uh, a crossover event in the Star Wars comic books. Later, they've done that before. Uh, let's see. Something had to happen in between intervening times between Je- Empire and Jedi, and I was like, I would like to tell that story. And I would like it to be about Boba Fett and what happens to him, explains writer Charles Soule in an official, uh, official announcement. The series and its crossover issue will reveal what Fett experienced on his journey to deliver Solo, which I can't imagine that being much to it, but he, okay, sure. Uh, debuting in May and running through October, this storyline kicks off with the world of Bonnie Herd Hunter's Alpha by soul and artist Steve McNiffin in on a uh, mark excuse me on May 5th then spins out into the Marvel's post Star Wars Empire Strikes Back line including Star Wars Bounty Hunters uh Darth Vader Vader and Dr. Aphra which I did not know again Bounty Hunters is an ongoing cuz I could have sworn that also was a mini series and I was wondering why that was still going after the initial five that I thought it was. So go figure. Anyway, uh, the five issue World of Bounty Hunters limited series from Soul and artist Luke Ross, the anchors of the series event, uh, begins in June. So there you go. Another crossover in the Star Wars uh, line of books, folks. And yes, you know I will be reading it. Uh, next That's- up. Next up, um, this is a, 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 a read this article. Uh, it's posted by Yahoo Life, but it's really about um, the newspaper profile that killed Marvel's mightiest team up. It's really what it really boils down to is uh, a, a news a news piece and a bit of a plug for a book called True Believer: The Rise and Fall of Stanley, written by Abraham Reisman and. Um, over at Slate, there is an excerpt from Reisman's book, which details the uh, the comparatively small newspaper profile of um, Lee and Kirby, Jack, uh, Jack, uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby, that proved to be the final straw for Jack Kirby in his long partnership and uh, in, in working at Marvel. Um, I would say that uh, you should check out. Uh, it's a minor plug for the Word Balloon podcast with. Um, uh, uh, John Suntress, 
Reisman was on this podcast earlier this week, or at least very recently to plug the book. And I listened to his uh, inter. Actually, no, I don't think it was. Uh, uh, um, I, I might be mistaken. I think it was a different podcast. I apologize, folks. I don't think it was Word Balloon. Give me a moment and let me confirm this because I feel bad about disseminating incorrect information to you guys. I know you rely on us to be uh, on point with the with the facts and the news that we give out during the news section. I believe it was yes. I apologize. It was off panel, a comics interview podcast. Uh, and uh, you should check that out. It is the most recent episode. I listened to this, and uh, Reisman has some interesting things to say about um, this biography of uh, Stan Lee. And that's that. You're on mute. Also uh, worth noting is that um, I put just put another article about that book in the clickbait section. Uh, which I'll just flash here on the screen um, from the Hollywood Reporter about the that um, the True Believer of the Rise and Fall of Stanley book by Abraham Brisman as said. So you can check out all that stuff we said. And if you have a link to that uh, podcast, uh, uh, put it over to me and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Will do. That being said, now I think we're back on track um, with we're here, we're there, we're there, we're there. Um, nope, we're still off. What the hell? Oh, that's right, because I did, cause, yeah, 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 so. Wait, yeah, I was about to say, you just have um, R.I.P. Uh, yeah, but did we, wait, because we did talk about, why do I still have this up? We did talk about, they skipped that, so why do I still have that up? Um... Rip wrote Vertigo and 2000 AD writer Cy Spencer. So when I first saw this, I thought it was Cy Spurrier. Mm. Who was, who was a, a, um, a writer for um, Marvel and I think DC and, and wherever. He's a comic writer. So I thought it was him. I was like, oh shit, no. I didn't know he wrote for Vertigo in 2008. Nope, that's not him. It's not that person. Uh, numerous reports confirm that prolific English writer Cy Spencer has passed away. The cause of death is not known. Spencer was best known uh, in the U.S. for work at Vertigo, including the books, including Books of Magic, Life During Wartime, Bodies, uh, The Vinyl Underground, Hellblazer, and more. Uh, for 2000 AD, his work includes Hark and Burr, uh, The Creep, and The Returners, um, all for Judge Dredd magazine. He also worked in television, such as BBC for shows as The EastEnders, The Bill, and Grange Hill, which a lot of people of a certain of a certain note probably know The EastEnders the most out of those, but probably know those also. Uh, the 2080 blog has a full obituary for Cy Spencer with some quotes to uh, that show his thoughts on his work. So rest in peace and condolences to his family and friends. Next. All right, DC has revealed when fans of Milestone Comics will get to read the new adventures of their favorite superheroes like Static Shock, or Static, Icon, Rocket, not Raccoon, and Hardware. Um, Milestone Mondays is a new digital 
publishing initiative kicking off the first wave of Milestone Digital First miniseries in April. Before that begins, Milestone Returns Infinite Edition number zero will be released digitally on February 26th with an extended cut of the Milestone Returns one-shot. Okay. It is worth noting, well, I I know of, and a lot of people are, you know, there are fans of the Milestone comics, obviously, and uh, some of the, some folks may know this. I know of them, and obviously know of them from other media, I was, you know, you know, that being TV more than the actual comics. I don't think I've read too much of any of the comics, uh, but I know the camera, the, the, the uh, you know, I know them from, from TV more so than that. That being said, um, Comixology and probably other places have been reprinting older milestone books. I don't know if they're going to do like a collector works also, but they have been pretty much going issue by issue with us. Uh, some of the stuff, um, uh, in the past month or so. So, you know, you can definitely check that out if you are so inclined, um, ahead of the new stuff. And I, I kind of want to check out some of the old stuff. Cause like I said, I didn't really get a chance. I know. I think I even have some of the old stuff, but I just hadn't read them. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that, that stuff is out there. If you are unfamiliar and want to get familiar, if you are not already. Um, so this is cool. Next up though. Uh, Teen Lantern's new power partner is a powerful DC icon. And this is spoilers for, I guess, the, the story of Dead Space from Future State Green Lantern number two, which I still haven't read yet. Uh, I think it's a backup story. Or one of them. Uh, the Green Lanterns of Future State have been brought down, leaving the universe more or less defendant. And as far as I know, unless this, that issue goes into it, we still don't know why that happened. But two of them secretly have survived thanks to each other. Uh, actually, more have survived. Uh, and whatever. Anyway. Thanks to each other and might be able to survive until help arrives. Uh, in Future State Green Lantern number two, Teen Lantern is one of the many Green Lanterns stranded across the Future State's timeline. But she's got one powerful ally still with her, Mogo. Um, which I'm, It's a Green Lantern planet and a battery, if I'm not mistaken. What's that? Mogo. Do you know? He's the planet. He's the planet. And it's also... Yeah, he's, the, he's the Green Lantern that's a planet. It's like... Imagine Ego, the living planet, as a Green Lantern. Right. Okay. Now I was thinking, yeah, I was like, wasn't there, wasn't there a character that was like a planet and a battery? But whatever, I don't care. DC's stuff is kind of weird. It doesn't really matter. Um, right. So, yeah, she's, so she's basically, you know, chilling with a planet. Um, and if folks may or may not know, Teen Lantern is a pretty recent, uh, new, um, recently new lantern alongside uh, Joe Moline. Who is also a new uh, Green Lantern, uh, but both playing various parts in, in Future State at this point, because Joe is on the Justice League, who was recently, who actually was and is still way out someplace else in her normal book at this point. But yeah, so there you go, Teen Lanterns with Mogo. I don't know if she's powered or not because I hadn't read the story in that, but who knows, even knows. Uh, also, Teen Lantern was a part of uh, the the most recent iteration of Young Justice, which I believe that's where she came out uh, started at. Next up, alrighty. Next up, uh, John Stewart is set to shine in Green Lantern fiftieth anniversary collection. Uh, he gets the solo spotlight in the hardcover best of collection. Um, 
Scheduled to go on sale June 22nd, Green Lantern, John Stewart, a celebration of 50 years, will include comics as well as original essays by co-creator Neil Adams, the character's voice actor for many cartoons, Phil Lamar, along with comics writers uh, John Ridley and Jeff Johns. Um, uh, I'm sure Roddy Cat is sniffing at Jeff Johns' name. No, uh, I, I was, um, it was the John Ridley, actually, because, you know. Oh, Really? Well, because you know, twelve years of slave, more new? so than yeah, more so than you know what he's I recently got gotten into. I was about to say, I'm like Rodicat is still um, is still harping on how people get into the comics business. I was just looking for a <laughs> price point in this. Um, um, yeah, I don't seem to see a price point in this article. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there is one yet. Um, that's weird, actually, because yeah, it's coming up relatively soon. Um, I think I might pick this up. I, you know, John Stewart is a lot of people's you know, first and only uh, um, lantern. Yeah, for a whole generation. Exactly. So, you know, and I probably remember reading a couple of things in, in the past, but I never really, you know, my, my um, I know him more for you know, Justice League, obviously, and, and the, the animated, uh, animated versions of uh, John Stewart. It's not. It's not very expensive. It's forty dollars, thirty nine ninety nine. Uh, you can pre order it now on Amazon. And they've been doing those celebration of fifty years for, for various characters. So I guess yeah, probably would have been the same price point for any of whatever those are. So that's cool. I'm yeah, I'm definitely looking to possibly check this out. Actually, cool, my kid. I probably will get it. Next up, though. Uh, Future State, Justice League number two, sequels a new expanded series that is coming. Uh, it looks more like Future State, Justice League is in the f- uh, DC's future and likely with an expanded team. The second issue of the two-issue limited series seems to strongly suggest that the Justice League will be the second Future State property that will branch off into an upcoming new title along with the just-announced Future State Gotham. Which I don't remember seeing the thing for that, but that's fine. The majority of uh, titles in the two-month DC event that takes place in the ver- various uh, DC Universe future timelines are seeding storylines that will be picked up. That will pick up uh, when the publisher's main contemporary line returns and refreshes in March. And beyond in the post-Death Metal new DC Universe, they're calling the um, Infinite Frontier. So, let's see, the lineup includes future state prequel series like next... Well, with some of this stuff we, we've talked about already, so I don't necessarily need to... Uh, get into that but and there's also uh, spoilers for future state justice league number two which wait did that come out last week or this week regardless it doesn't matter so there you last go. week yeah because i don't remember i feel like i remember seeing it but i don't remember reading it same no no i skimmed it it was i think it was out last week mm, okay yeah so i definitely didn't get a chance to read it uh then so i'm probably gonna try to catch up on some of that stuff at the very least so yeah that's the thing that's gonna happen so i know there are a few of these uh books that are getting uh, post-future state books. So, sure. Next up. Alrighty, next up, as if it wasn't going to be a little bit too on the nose. That girl. This was not intentional that the fact that, that, that you know, that who, of who got this uh, story, just so know that that's just how it played out. <laughs> that girl, Robin. And a new cat girl lead DC's Asian superhero special. And don't <laughs> let me get started on this. Well, you know I'm going to get started on that because I got a story. I know. Because I saw this image 
and I'm going to get into my feelings on this mm-hmm. after I get into the story. DC is set to celebrate May's Asian Pacific American Heritage Month month by um, w- uh, by putting out a special that includes creators like Jim Lee, Mariko Tamaki, Francis Manipool, and more. DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration, is a 96-page one-shot anthology starring and created by Asian and Asian Americans. Um... Now this is this is some this is some a part of my French here. This is some shit right here. The 96-page one-shot issue will commemorate DC's rich roster <laughs> and Asian American characters. That's some shit right there. <coughs> new tales by some of the most lauded storytellers in comics reads the publisher's description of DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian superhero celebration. Ram V, the current Catwoman series writer, will at last unveil the long-seated mysteries behind Shoes in an action-packed tale that follows the character as she becomes Catwoman's protege, revealing her real name, secret origin, and who her mother is. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Eisner Award-winning author Marco Tamaki is going to continue her work on the Batman mythos and present an original Cassandra Cain story. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's DC's iconic. That's some shit. I mean, that's, that's it's a stretch. It's the only one, also, but you know. <laughs> Joining these stories, Minla, the acclaimed writer behind the smash hit uh, middle grade graphic novel Green Lantern Legacy, will team with artist Trung Le Nguyen uh, uh, for an all new story featuring Vietnamese American Thai Pham, DC's newest Green Lantern, co created by Le and Green Lantern Legacy artist Andy Tong. Okay, mm-hmm. so did you oh, did, did uh, you read that by the way? What's that? Did you read that? The I Green Lantern I, Legacy. Legacy. I bought, I bought a copy. Yeah. Okay. Additional characters. Additional characters planned for inclusion <laughs> are Damian Wayne, mm-hmm. the Al Ghul clan, mm-hmm. Katana, Lady Shiva, the Adam, Dana Tan, Red Arrow, Lady Shiva again. There's some shit. And the new Superman. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Roddy Cat has this image, I presume, uh, drawn by Jim Lee and uh, colored by Alex Sinclair up on your screens right now. Mm-hmm. Please let us look at the uh, character roster herein and compare this to what we last saw um, uh, in the pages of uh, Totally Awesome Hulk. And oh, okay, right, and just compare the character roster here and some of the some of the the exposure that these Asian heroes in DC have gotten in this in the past several years, as opposed to the uh, the, the the obvious push that Marvel has made thanks to the video game markets that they're in mm-hmm. in introducing new Asian characters into the fold and giving them some spotlight and some miniseries and solo series. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's compare the two, shall we? <laughs> oh, in the hell I'm is that in this. the back? Is that is that the the Asian guy from Gen thirteen? Sipping Wait. on the soda? I think uh, so. Behind yeah, I don't... Shiva? Oh, yeah. I don't know who that is. I think that's him. Well, I do I remember him. seeing the article saying that yeah, there's some Gen 13 characters coming over, so that's... Right. That's... 
But seriously, who on earth knows who any of these other characters are other than maybe Cassandra Kane and Katana if you watch Suicide Squad? I mean, to be fair, Ryan Choi. People do know, know Ryan Choi, the Adam. Some people if do they know. recognize his uniform. Well, yeah, and Red Arrow is, you know, if you've been reading uh, Teen Titans of late, then yeah. Not to, uh, of late, maybe. Yeah, so... Because even when I started reading Teen Titans and she came up, like, where did she come from? And apparently that's, like, Otifer's daughter with some somebody, and yeah, um... Uh, that's another queen. So I know who that person is, but yeah, I'm kind of with you on that part. And outside of that, that new Teen Lantern, we already t- shared where that comes from. Like, right. yeah, the most, definitely, like you said, the most notable one in here is Cassandra Kane. And I don't know too many people who've and read Katana, that. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, and Katana, obviously, yes. Um, and, like, uh, you know, in some respects, Ryan Choi. Um, but yeah, I don't know who that other person is on the left, on top left, next to Green Lantern. And, well, if you. Omac? Is that Omac? Or some version of it. Okay. It's certainly not Gladiator from uh, <laughs> yeah, from, not right. from the Shi'ar. Yeah, that's but, the wrong universe. Hmm. Right, but at the end of the day, you know, I guess what what, what really bothered me about the story because I did happen to catch the story before the show, you know, uh, while you know in the lead up to the show, what really bothered me about this is that they're they're talking about uh, you know making a push to uh, you know to to honor um, the Asian characters. Um, and the creators in the DC universe by putting out the special, which is great. They've got mm-hmm. a great roster of creators. Don't get me wrong. The roster mm-hmm. of creators is second to none. That's a great roster of creators. They're, they're uh, 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 comic book creators at the top of their game right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But these characters, on the other hand... You know, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's Korath gone, gone, you know, gone crazy. Who? 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 Yeah, not... I know you could say the same thing about some of the characters that are in that protectors, you know, group, but oh, they've yeah. gotten a lot more shine over the last two or three years. Well, yeah, because the agents of Atlas, is Atlas, though, but yeah, so DC's not trying to DC staying losing. Um, so that's all I mean to say yeah. is that we've seen. I forgot. I I, I I was blanking on that. The agents of Atlas um, uh, miniseries that we've seen them all team up in. Mm-hmm. And a crossover with um, War of the Realms and um, uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, King of Black. Well, they, yes. they, 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 they crossed into. Um, they ended on King of Black, yeah. Yes, they ended on King of Black, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They crossed into the Namor part of King, King of Black, that's mm-hmm. what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess some people, I know some people would be like, well, we know New Superman, but I don't want that, that many people who was checking for him. Right. So, like I said, I was I, I was mildly offended by this. To be mm-hmm. honest. I hadn't you noticed. Know, it's not like they've been trying. To, you know, like their 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 attempts have been at best half-hearted. Right. In fact, I want to say, especially well, I mean, we've seen Katana in Future State re- most most recently, and she's been a part of the Outsiders also just as recently. So she, out of mostly anybody as far as I know, and Red Arrow. Uh, have been relatively prominent in the last, say, I would give it nicely a year or two. Uh, yeah, I don't know, because I think Cassandra Kane has shown up, like, here and there. She might have been in Batgirl, actually, now that I think about it. Mm, so, yeah, outside of that, yeah, all these other people are like, Ugh. I mean, uh, what I was going to say is, obviously, they don't have a Shang-Chi, right? Well, they well, yeah, you're right. They don't because I was about to say Richard Dragon is was wasn't Richard Dragon? Didn't they like change Richard Dragon at some point? Yeah, <laughs> and I think he's white. 
So I don't. Or I at some so point, too. it was white. So. I think so too. But at the end of the day, you know, they don't have a Shang Chi. They, you mm-hmm. know, they obviously don't have like that long-standing Asian character. Even though Shang Chi is is is, uh, you know, has has had a problematic history, and obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, over time has had his um his story rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. You know, but come on now, you know, you talk about you have this big roster and, and you barely have characters <laughs> that have gotten any sort of push in the last year or two. Forget three or four years or five years. Right. In you fact, know, they put Shang on the Avengers back in 2013. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in fact, like I said, the one that was mentioned in the article, which was the legacy uh, one was brand new as of last year. Right. Um, And and oh, I think I what new the, the new. Well, new the new Superman's been around for a couple of years, I know, but I can't remember when that one. It's been what two twenty fifteen? Couple of years. What was the last time you saw him? A crisis or two? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, when he had his own book, I think. Oh. Um. But yeah, I don't. It's weird. It's crazy. Um. I mean, I'm glad that they want to put out something that celebrates it, but don't you know? Like I said, don't be prone to hyperbole and be like, "Hey, right. look at our, our our rich roster of Asian and Asian American characters." Come right. On. Seems seems almost patronizing. Come on. And at first, the, the funny thing about it is like, on. hold on, hold on, I got something for this. Okay. Mother brought you up wrong. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how I didn't know how or when that one actually was going to come into play. But, you know. Oh god. Oh, I forgot to check the recording, but anyway, we'll be all right. Um So yeah, that's 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 um yeah, that's a thing. But hey, May eleventh, folks, that's when that's gonna come out. Goodness gracious. Um at at fine stores and comic digital comic retailers near you. But like you said, the the the, the list of creators is, is smashing. You know, this is some good stuff. Absolutely. Um, some of the characters, right. like and, yeah, sure. Right, and 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 you know, you, you, I give them props for doing it because I don't see anything like that in the Marvel solicits. Right. So you know, that's uh, obviously it points to them. But come on, don't you know with the hyperbole, please. I feel like that's probably something Marvel's going to do because they since they especially since they had that Marvel voices thing and they've already done like uh, Native Americans and they've kind of sort of kind of mixed some stuff in with some of the, the legacy stuff and they might I don't think they did a specifically black one, but you know, right. Uh, 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 it's funny that you mentioned that. It absolutely is funny that you mentioned that. Well, one, there's also Silk. Yeah, who has an ongoing mm-hmm. in, in, in May. Uh, mm-hmm. It's funny that you mentioned that before we move on quickly. I've been yes. ranting for a while now. It's <laughs> getting late and I'm getting tired. Yes. Um, uh, what I was going to mention is that Marvel Voices um, uh, uh, project or directive or, or initiative that they have, mm-hmm. they put out, I don't know what I did with it, you know they they have a you know they do promo posters right yes and the the most recent Marvel Voices promo poster I think this is it that's pretty cool I think this is it oh yeah it is Marvel Voices Legacy underappreciated Asian American character is front and center in this poster. I'm going to turn off my virtual background and 
Apologies, folks. That's fine. As a matter of fact, let me. I'm going to turn me off and then do that. There we go. So you can see the poster in full. Who is that front and center? Jubilee. Is that one Jubilation Lee? That is. Jubilation Lee, who's already been in an animated X-Men series and in the X-Men movies. <laughs> well. We all, her, we all forget her. They did in that movie. They sure did forget her because she had like a five-second part. But anyway, right. that's beside the point. But at the end of the day... I, I got a kick out of seeing her being front and center in this Voices Legacy poster with Kamala and Storm and Miles and Blade. Mm -hmm. I think that's America Chavez on the top. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yes. And also she's in um, she's uh, in uh, Excalibur uh, at this current time. Exactly. So. Exactly. So... So uh, I'm glad that, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that uh, I remembered that Marvel Voices thing. You know, mm -hmm. that they are, they do have this initiative. Right. So I'm glad that you, you brought it up. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, moving on. Yes. Uh, uh, let's see. So, yeah, next up, and you got a good one to, to, to end this off on, but Stargirl uh, goes on spring break in a one shot by Jeff Johns. Uh, DC Comics will release Star Whoops Star Girl Spring Break Special Number One on May fourth, and I kind of wish I had the audio cue that I uh, probably would have had for that. But uh, the Star Girl Spring Break Special Number One comic follows along uh, in the series of novelty holiday one shots uh, DC began releasing again, which started last December with uh, DC's very merry multiverse and uh, followed by followed up by DC's Love Is a Battlefield, neither of which we read, uh, <laughs> which was released on February 9th. Uh, let's see. This time, the, the quote-unquote holiday season focuses spring break, and the Stargirl comic pinned by Jeff Johns takes center stage. Although not an 80-page giant like the previous holiday specials, it has a sizable adventure story in, uh, featuring Stargirl, accompanied by Stripe and his former team, the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Uh, it's a 49-page comic illustrated by Todd Nock. So, hey, the whole, you know the art's going to be good. Uh, which features a main cover by Todd Nock, which retails for five nine nine, and the cardstock variant by Mike McCone, which retails for six ninety nine. Next, last but not least. All right, last but not least. All right, the movie worlds of Superman seventy eight and Batman eighty nine, referring to the movies, are heading to comics in two all-new DC Digital First series. Um, the Gothic Mentality of Tim Burton's Batman Looks Around Every Corner in Batman 89 by screenwriter Sam Hamm and artist Joe Quinones. You'll Believe a Man Can Fly in Superman 78 by writer Rob Venditti and artist Wilfredo Torres. Beginning in July 2021, decades after both Richard Donner's Superman the Movie and Tim Burton's Batman introduced generations of fans to silver screen versions of DC's uh, main, you know, like two headline characters. DC is returning to these beloved properties to tell new stories set within these worlds with the publication of a series of Superman 78 and Batman 89 comic books. Um, they're going to be digital first. Um... Let's see. Uh, 
stay tuned for price point, but digital comics tend to be priced the same as physical. Right. And more likely they'll probably, which I don't, you know, they'll, they'll probably uh, make physical copies at some point. Oh, it does. It, it, the article does say that the yeah. 12 chapters of each new series will also publish as six printed comics between August and October and as hardcover collections in October um, and November, October for Batman 89 and November for Superman 78. Okay. Yeah. So this has led folks to, now obviously this is not the first time DC has done this because they had the, their Batman 66 version and also a Wonder Woman 72, something like that series. And also even a crossover between the two, now that I think about it. So it's not unheard of for them to, you know, mine, uh, mine their other, other media sources for book, for, appropriate period books but uh this has also had people you know online talking about oh what what should they do next or what should somebody do next and then marvel's kind of done this also to to a point with uh x-men 92 um the what what i think of um there might be another one i can't recall it you know i'm not even counting like 1602 stuff like that because those are those that's totally different uh so yeah i'm kind of uh, we'll check this out. We'll more likely we'll, we'll if we look into this, we'll probably talk about it at some point between the digital version or the the physical, whenever whichever happens if they're appealing enough to us. But this is kind of cool. I don't know. I thought. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's something that people want because you know they've always been curious uh, about in. Uh, uh, about the further adventures, especially in that Batman verse, you know, mm-hmm. seeing some of those different characters, how, how some of those different characters are portrayed. Mm-hmm. Some would say that would be Batman anime series, but not really. Mm-hmm. Which, actually, speaking of that, um, I will go ahead and take this time to say before we leave, before we end off on the show, that, and you probably already know this because we've said it before, Batman animated series, uh, I believe most of the, if not all of the other Batman series are on HBO Max at this point. I know, um, uh, you know, between January and now, a lot of that stuff's been getting on there. But also, most recently, Static Shock, on another note, has been is now on there. I think they just recently put like The Batman and other shows, which I thought it was already on there, uh, on the service. So Static Shock is on there. That is the the that because I meant to mention that earlier is now on there in its whole in its entirety. So you can go check that out. As far as I know, it's in title entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Batman animated series, which is pretty much the goat of <laughs> of that era's uh, animation and probably led to the DC animated universe at large. Yep. That may not be hyperbole. Gotcha. Actually, I don't think it's going to So I was watching um, the Heart of Batman uh, Batman animated series uh, thing on YouTube and I think mm-hmm. they specifically said as much. Yeah, so there we go folks uh we are at the end of the show but before we end this off we have another ad read and we have one more rant shang chi number one is launching in may okay wait i thought we knew that i thought we yes said that. but i just wanted to add that oh you to, to the other and to remind the, yeah, everyone to, to yeah to shang chi number one yes. is launching in may <laughs> He can tell me about doing these rants like this, and here he go. So that's fine. That's, that's Listen, fine. You know what? You you, you, know, you would do that once in a while. You would do that. Title to rant. Yes, you were completely do that one. So you know, <laughs> our last ad read of the night. 
is for Funko Fun at First Sight. Your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise, custom DIY pop figures, and books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10, S-H-O-P-10, for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And as we end on another fine episode of this here show, I'd like to thank each and every one of you fine folks for coming out. Um, this one's, well, they're, they've all been lengthy. I don't even know why I'm even saying anything. But so to belabor this any further, not to belabor this any further, um, WandaVision's coming out in a couple hours. Go check that out. Don't spoil it, folks. Don't be that person, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we will be back next week, uh, Thursday night, nine thirty p.m. Yes, I'm doing this first. Don't don't ask me why, but um, on the YouTube channel of the Click Nation, that's the Click Nation dot. That's no, that's the Click Nation. That's the K L I Q N A T I O N. But and also twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles, all one word. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Indeed, and you can check out um us at our various uh social media places i have been uh, probably should have done what i was about to do but i didn't uh ride cat you can find me at ride cat on twitter you can find me at news news need on twitter and cb caps on instagram agent underscore 70 on twitter and instagram PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com is umbrella sites therein, and uh, probably still that fine replacement bite under comic reviews. No vowels. No vowels. Yep. Tim, D O G G 9 X on Twitter, the Osiris that is ish. Um, you can find him at that. Not uh, Tim D O G G 9 8, if that's not clear. Um, you can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter. You can also find him at, um, did I say CB Cron? If I didn't, CB Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You know, uh, shout him out there. Shout us out there. We will see stuff. You know, I'm sure he will point stuff to us if, if, if not. Or, you know, you can go to our regular stuff if you want to. Uh, but also you can find Tim because that's why I pointed that I wanted to separate that from this mm-hmm. um, comic book resource where you can find Tim right in his face off and he has provided well he didn't provide us we got him grabbed him from those ourselves but uh, graced us with some of the articles just you have heard of tonight and you should definitely go over there and check out his works and other fine works that there and other places but definitely his and you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast at your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us five star reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. 
Again, next week, 9.30 p.m., all that I've said earlier. We will be back with a brand new episode. Um, and yes, I have not forgetten, forgotten, we will absolutely do the year-end uh, 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 show from last year. Before, I'm hoping before the end of this month, which is short as hell. That's um, the I feel like there's something else I was wanted to bring up, but I don't know what it is, so it's just as well. If you had a happy Valentine's, great, but Valent- love is every day, so don't just let it be one time a year. Um, and with that, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Wakanda forever!